Blog Talk Radio. show 
last week, Crawford had just started his live stream. And by the time I could tune into it, I probably missed a bunch of stuff. I was going to kind of live stream it, but I decided not to because I had already missed so much stuff. We'll, we'll talk our way through that. Also, Spence came back and, and, and gave his thoughts as well. Oscar De La Hoya uh, gave his thoughts. And I love me some Oscar De La Hoya as a boxer, but outside the ring, post his ring career, which should be, you know, uh, very much respected. Um this guy is just a walking, talking contradiction. And, hey, to an extent, we all can be. I'm not saying that, but, wow, this guy, holy cow, this guy. Um, so, yeah, Showtime, from the sounds of it, is going to announce a pretty big schedule win. I don't know, but we are starting to see some fights, whether it's PBC or just in general. Good news on Fury Usyk. The first quarter looks like it's going to be – pretty damn good and hopefully the first six months of you know we'll talk a little bit about a variety of things when it comes to that um in just a second but of course we will start in the ring if this is your first time listening to the rope a dope radio podcast welcome it streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope a dope radio however you don't have to go to blog talk and rope a dope and download the show directly there like some do or uh, listen to the browser like some people still do you don't have to go there if you don't want to. Hey, download it directly off there. That that helps me. But in the end, it really doesn't matter. Rope Dope Radio Podcast, the platform is on a variety of platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and a host of other platforms. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrowingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or maybe you know you haven't uh, or you have and you're not quite happy i kind of screwed that up i got something for you um it is called direct tv stream time only the prices start as low as 49.99 for two months if you go with the choice or ultimate package that gives you three free months of showtime stars cinemax and epics that's a savings of 106 $160, man. It's the best of live TV and on demand. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees, uh, like the hidden fees that you see a lot with the regional sports networks. That's direct TV stream. Okay. And I have heard actually a, a fair amount of messages in the last two weeks about Showtime and how they're going to go out of business because Paramount is going to shut them down. That's not quite exactly how the facts play out, but, you know, I'm sure people will say I'm ducking it. If I get time to go over some of that, I will, um, but I don't know. Um, so, yeah, there's a variety of stuff to talk about. Let's start in the ring and uh, Dimitri Bivol and Ramirez. Gilberto Zerto Ramirez, um, you know, beyond the first – few rounds I'd say the first three to four um first of all I didn't watch it live right because I was working that night but the replay speed on the zone is starting to it, it it's happened now multiple times like let's say in the last month it at at moments in the I don't know if it's doing this live but it moments in and I've kind of heard it it has for some people but moments in the fight 
tell it's not normal speed. It almost is like you're watching a recorded stream, which technically you are, but I'm saying that you can just get off the internet anywhere. That's what it kind of feels like. I just wanted to say that. I've seen some people complain about that, and I'm starting to be like, dude, what is going on? Um, anyway, I did give Bibble um, the first – let's see. I gave him the first and the fourth, and I gave Ramirez the second and the third. Um I thought that, you know, basically it was kind of funny because Bibble right away was backing Ramirez up early and often, and he did it for a good chunk of the fight. Um, so, you know, beyond like a few good shots later in the round, which, by the way, the best shot was probably late by Bibble, um, I didn't see Ramirez doing a whole lot. Then he did start to jab some more uh, in the second and third. I thought that was little quick little one-two combos, and then he was moving a fair amount, um, whereas Bivol was bringing, you know, that pressure, and he was also landing some decent shots. So I had it two to two after four, um, and then after that, I gotta admit, it was tough to find multiple rounds uh, for Ramirez. I just thought that Bivol was more consistent. He was landing the flush combinations. He landed a really nice combination with like a little over a minute left in the in the fifth. Uh, just flurry late. Um, there was some two-way round, you know, action in this stuff. Don't get me wrong, but Bivol just landing the harder, faster combinations. Like I said, he came out and he was the aggressor, which I thought that kind of uh, that was kind of a little surprise to me. I thought that would take a little while for him to get there. Um, you know, I thought that he'd kind of feel it out for a second, but why not? You know, um, now Ramirez would, would respond later in like the seventh round where he pressured him back and landed good shots. And I'm not saying he didn't win another round at all, but, um, and sometimes like the eighth, he closed really well. He had Bivol on the ropes, uh, but you know, he was only, he was only able to land a shot or two at that time. Whereas the hooks, uh, the uppercut, just little flurries of hooks that Bibble was that was Bibble was landing like the ninth round once again, two way round, no doubt, good action, but the better shots were Bibble. Um, Ramirez, I'd say down the stretch the last few rounds, he had little spots, little moments, but it just wasn't enough. The better shot, better combination was Bibble. He cleanly won the fight, 118 to 110, and I think two of them, was it two of them, 117, 111? I mean, this guy dominated the action. He, he did beat them pretty cleanly. Um, anybody out there saying like seven to five, I, I don't, I didn't see that at all. And like I said, you can't just say in this fight, you can't say, well, Ramirez was the aggressor the whole time. So if it wasn't a fight, you know, if he wasn't making the fight, there wouldn't be a fight and all that. And don't get me wrong, sometimes that rings true. I'm not trying to poke fun at that statement. I've heard it plenty of times. Sometimes I've said it, but you know, come on, dude. Like he he didn't he didn't win the fight. It wasn't there, there's no reason for a rematch. Maybe I'm tripping. You know, maybe somebody will message me or John will come up here and say, No, he saw it as a as a draw or something like that. But I just it was a clean, clean win by Bibble. And like I said to me he is the fighter of the year. He pulled off an upset over what people, at least people could at least 
say Canelo's top five pound count, whether you had him first, second, third, uh, fourth, fifth. I don't know where you had him. I don't know where you have him now. But most people, at least top five, maybe top three, maybe number one, just because of his resume. Either way, it is what it is. When you beat a pound-for-pounder, especially a top five pound-for-pounder, and then now, you know, a, a solid contender, he, he took he took apart, basically, right? And kind of, you know, switched the game on him. And actually, Ramirez, if he could have used it properly, which game, but he could have used the reach advantage he had um, because he was fighting on the outside a decent amount. I'm not saying all the time, and like I said, he was able to – you know, get Bibble to be on the ropes at times. Just didn't land good enough. So for me, Dimitri Bibble, um, I say hands down. Like I said, Bam Rodriguez, uh, Jermell Charlo, only fighting once that hurt, but it was a big, big fight. There's other guys out there, no doubt about it. Some some guys had great years, but I just don't think the two wins can stack up, uh, especially when it's a pound for pound guy. Um, I just I just don't. Um, Rockamoff and Barrett was a really fun fight. Um, you know, Rockamoff came with the pressure right away in the first couple rounds. Um, but it was mostly jab and it was kind of a mixed jab. It wasn't like it was a stalled landing jab. Whereas, uh, Barrett was more, you know, on the move on defense. Um, he was on the ropes at time in those first couple of rounds. You had Barrett really turn into the aggressor come, say, third or fourth round, landed right hands, and landed a right, I believe it was a right uppercut, knocked him down. Um, Rockman did land, actually early in that round, he landed really nice, uh, left hand landed really clean. And I also noticed he was kind of complaining to the ref about low blows, and I'm not sure if there was too many low blows. It was almost like, oh, snap, like I just got uppercutted, you know, like I'm down. Um, but, and Barrett kept landing that big uppercut in the uh, fourth round, the next round, fifth round. That's where, for me, Rakamov, uh, he started landing his own uppercuts, uh, also his straight right hand, I should say. He, he had really good, like, like upper body movement, kind of head movement on the way in finally. Um, that was kind of a problem in the first chunk of rounds. And by the fifth round, a little bit anyway, he was still landing lead left hands and all that. Landed him well at times, uh, Barrett was. But I could start to kind of – I wrote a little note in the fifth round. You're starting to see him fade a little bit. Um, but, you know, he, he still was in there. And, and Rachmahab just kept with that pressure. Uh the seventh round, I thought Barrett landed a couple of clean right hands. One of them was like a really nice um, right-hand counter. Um, but by the eighth round, Barrett was moving more and more. And Rakamov really started putting in that body work, um, which you know ended up dropping him for a knockdown. And then got up. Wasn't his legs, Barrett. His legs definitely weren't, weren't looking good. Um, and just a flurry, you know, basically a flurry rest stoppage TKO done. It was over. Um, so that was a really uh, spirited fight. I like that fight. That was one of the better fights of the night, I think, uh, just, you know, based off of, like, the energy of it. You know, it was just like, whoa, he's down, he's down, he's down, okay, coming back and all that. It was, it was good. 
it was good. Um, we'll see where uh, Rockamoff comes. Barrett was what he I think he had like a five week camp I heard or something like that. So he was a late. You know, Cordina was um, Cal Yafai actually got knocked down, but he ended up winning on points. Um, the other Yafai, what is it, Gala? He he actually he was tested. He was he had a I think it was yeah it was a split decision over Rodriguez. I'm looking at the cards right now, ninety six ninety four and two ninety six ninety five. Um, Rodriguez definitely you know was bringing a lot of pressure early. Um, and even late in the fight, he was being the aggressor, but it, it just didn't seem like it was effective enough. And um, credit to Yafaya because it was a rough fight for him, and he definitely uh, he started bringing his uh, you know pressure and put Rodriguez on the back foot, and I, and I thought that was key. I think the left hands, uh, nice left hands, were kind of the key as well when it came to that. And then, well, I suppose it wasn't an upset because uh, Jessica, Jessica McCaskill was a slight underdog. Um, but Chantel Cameron, Cameron, I should say, uh, you know, just outboxed her, I thought. Um, she looked damn good doing it, 97, 93, 96, 94. Two of them, 96, 94, cleanly won the fight. Um, right off the bat, Jessica came out, and I thought, hmm, I don't know if that's going to get it done. You know, it didn't look all that good, let's put it that way. It was like, it just didn't, like when I, I thought she was going to win, once I started seeing them fight, it was like, okay, yeah, Vegas was right here. So I thought she cleanly lost, and that was a nice win, uh, you know, for Cameron. And um, overall, you know, a, a pretty good card, pretty interesting card. Um, like I said, Bivol and Ramirez being the main event, they really, uh, you know, Bivol really shined in that, handled business. Like I said, I did like how he was the aggressor. I wasn't 100% thinking that was going to be the case, to be honest with you. I'm going to bring in John here. I'll get to the Showtime card, uh, you know, whether it's talking about what happened in the ring on two folds there. Obviously, David Morrell got rounds, which is he needed badly. Now, he's been basically 12 rounds twice, um, and he got a lot of competitiveness from, um, you know, hopefully, Adios recovers from this. But like I said, there was a multiple reports about an induced coma, and then we heard reports of, you know, he's going to be okay. We we expect him to fully recover. I mean, there was a variety of, of different um, opinions when it, or not opinions, but reports. But when we look, I just, I'll just say this, Tony Weeks, you know, Minnesota for years has been not a great commission just because they don't have enough fight. Now, in re- I mean, there's more than that, but, you know, for a while, they, they didn't have a state commission because, you know, decades ago, it was kind of an easy place to uh, come get an easy win, you know, and, and get an easy knockout. And it just, there wasn't much there. They reestablished the commission and they have people in charge that know a thing or two. Now, you know, we can, 
I don't know how much you're going to put on the exact commission when it comes to this. Obviously, I think there is blame to go around on the commission, and we know that you know last summer the WBA basically planted judges. We know how that whole thing was down. That was that was fucking ridiculous, as we know. Um, but when you have Tony Weeks in the corner, um, the confusion of the corner of the fighter who sustained these injuries, who's the head trainer, why didn't anyone, you know, we heard one guy had a towel in his hand but wasn't allowed to throw it. Like, that was a little funky. But like I said, we we did, and we can say the commission and the the doctor and all that, and I think that's fair uh, because, like I said, at the high levels, they're not that experienced, to be fair. I mean, we've had a lot of fights since 2019 of all shapes and sizes, right? Not just – it's not like New York or Cali or or, or Nevada or even now Texas in recent years, uh, you know, where you just have a lot of it. I I don't know. I mean – but once you have Tony Weeks, it, you can say you don't like Tony Weeks or you like him or whatever. He's got a ton of experience with my point. And I will say this about the fight. You know, a lot of times um, we see guys get knocked down and be really badly hurt, right? And sometimes you think, oh, man, I hope that dude's okay. Then he's fine. They bounce back, no problem. Other times we see kind of slow beatings where the fighter is game still and he's still trying to fight. We've seen fights stopped when a guy's throwing back and people are freaking out. So we do have to be a little bit more consistent. Now, I'm not defending because it was at the Minneapolis Armory and the commission and all that. I'm not just defending it, but I'm saying to me, I've seen a lot. Let's just put it this way. I've seen a lot worse beatings than the ones you know, that was delivered in the main event by David Morrell. I I have. Now, you know, there was a moment there where the punch count, see if I wrote wrote it down, it was actually fairly close. It was like 82 to 78 or something like that, right? And then that's where Morrell just went, you know, on a crazy combination, you know, a huge, huge, you know, advantage when it came to his opponent, right? That's where, and I can't remember what round that was. I think the last round I gave, yeah, it was the sixth round where I gave him, that was the last round I think you could give him as far as losing. I gave two rounds um, to uh, your 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 Basili. I think it's your your Basili. Um, but after, you know, any time in the ninth and the 10th and 11th, that's where you really started seeing it add up. You really did. Even the ninth round, though, he landed good body shots. He was fighting back. But I'd say once you got maybe in the 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, the pockets of success were becoming, you know, smaller and smaller. The windows, little windows of success that he was having, they were shutting. And it was starting to be really one-sided. And maybe even on that first left hand, right, um, maybe maybe you could have – and the fact that he was excess holding that much, you could see his legs were in trouble. You could just see overall. Like a lot of people say, well, he's bleeding since early in the fight. We've seen guys bleed worse than that, though. 
So my point is we have to be more consistent because if that's a tight fight, no one's stopping that fight or even a little bit more competitive, like had he have won the ninth round or something like that, and Morell had to bounce back after winning the seventh and eighth or something like that. So as far as a 100% obvious they needed to stop it, we could say that about a bunch of fights, if we're being honest, because at the same time, I've felt the same way about somebody. You can see in their legs are giving. They're, they're not, when they do get knocked down and, they're, and the ref tells them to walk, they can't, they're wobbly. We've seen that plenty of times, too, and people are freaking out. Well, but he was winning the fight or, or whatever. You know, we, we got to look at it straight up. And like I said, sometimes when you think someone's going to be really badly hurt, and I hope this person recovers that type of sentiment, they recover just fine. And it's not even a problem per se, right? But then you get fights like this, and we've seen some of these fights that aren't um, – the guy didn't get knocked down four times. He didn't, you know what I mean? He's fighting back, but then it's like, no, nah, dude, you got to stop this fight. And I, I, and I don't know the round when you would have stopped it because I think, like, if they would have stopped it in the night, I do believe that a, a bunch of people would have complained about it. And I think it's very valid 10th round on, um, especially after the first knockdown. And all those, like, if you're going to hold that bad, you know, and he was, just stopped the fight then because he's basically like, and I'm not blaming him for holding. I, I totally understand it. I'm not calling him out. I'm not, you know, some people don't like that when a guy's hurt. Oh, you can't hold. Well, he did get deducted, but it, it was obvious. So if the guy's like that, it's almost like being on the ropes and bending over forward and not allowing your your your, uh, your opponent to even have a target. You're basically not quitting or giving up. But you're basically almost insubordinate. Maybe that would be a good way to term it. Probably not. But my point is, you know, down the stretch of that fight, they could have stopped it. Um, the commission, uh, the corner, um, the referee. A very experienced referee. So goes around. So I just wanted to kind of get that part out. Um, but like I said, I am really glad on a boxer, you know, fighting note, what happened in the ring beyond, you know, the ultimate stuff that happened, which was really sad. Um, Morell got rounds, and he got rounds against a tough dude. He lost some rounds in the middle round. Um, he was showing his stuff on the move. He was showing what he could do coming forward. He's showing stuff on the inside, the short punches, the hooks, the uppercuts, the body. He was giving us a little bit of everything, and, you know, his defense was hit or miss at times, but I'll tell you what, and I don't mean to say this, you know, because of the injury sustained, but after that fight, Ronnie Shields looked happy as hell, not because of what happened, right, because he did close the show with the knockout and all that, but just, he was, I mean, you don't see Ronnie that happy. Knows my point is he knows he's got one. he knows he's got one and then you know the jab uh, Morell had a seventy to six uh, advantage there two and this is what I'm saying about when it started to get separated two thirty seven to eighty two that's a I mean when a guy's not even landing a hundred punches 
that's a 1607 to 535. You can see how active he was considering he did so many punches down the stretch of that fight to still throw 535. The problem is he only landed 15%. And 38% is crazy. That's a great overall landing uh, percentage there. But, yes, the refs, I think really the corner and the ref are, are probably number one and number two. 1A, 1B, however you want to look at it. We can blame the commission. We can blame the corner doctor for not stressing it even more. We're like, this fight needs to stop. Ref, you need to do this. Blah, 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 blah. You know, that type of thing. Um, obviously, the ref in the corner are the only folks that can, I think, officially stop the fight. But um, it's that. And sometimes it happens in fights where it looks bad, it gets worse for like three rounds, and then you start to add up the whole fight. Because early in this fight, I mean, some of the shots that your your Basili was taking, your Basili was taking, I mean, I was like, oh, this isn't going to last that long. And, and, you know, credit to him, obviously shows a lot of heart. He came back and ended up winning back-to-back rounds. I think I came, what I say, the fifth, fifth and sixth? Something like that. Um, because he was doing really good, you know, work to the body. He was putting Morrell on the uh, on the corner or on the on the ropes. And I thought in the corner, this is where I'm going next, that Shields was like, like that, you know, you feeling good? Are you feeling good? All right, then show me you're feeling good. Move around a little bit more, dude. Don't be on the ropes. Don't do this. Don't do that. I thought the corner, I thought him, I just think David Morrell and Shields are a perfect fit or pretty damn close. And this is exactly what he needed. Um, would I love for him to train in Minneapolis so I could go down there and visit him? Yeah, I would. Uh, but I can't get greedy, right? Um, so, yeah, I'm talking about this fight both ways, okay? Being at the Hennepin County Hospital there, I've gone there personally a few times. Not me, actually, personally, but having to go there for, for madness and whatnot. Um, you know, the, like I said, we had a lot of – Dan Raphael had a lot of reports early. I heard a variety of reports. The induced coma seemed like it was a strong report that that was actually happening. Now, reports after that have been kind of all over the map. So, it, you know, I, I don't want to report too strongly on this just yet. Um, and even before I started the show – I did see some other reports as well. So anyway, that was a long, long story there. Long, long breakdown. I got to try to get John in here real quick for a, for a chunk of time because I know that he's got some stuff he wants to uh, do tonight as well. John, what's going on, man? How the heck are you? Chris, good to be here as always. And a good, good segue for me to come in because, you know, considering the, of course, the seriousness of it, I felt in discussing the weekend, you had to start with the your bus sue me uh morell fight and uh you know has happened to your bus sue me uh after the fight you know just want to just really pick pick right up with what you've been talking about i I felt like there was a need to start there um, you know of course tra- tragic situation. Um, you know, you'd like to, you want to make the sport as safe as possible. Um, you, you, you'd like, you know, you're, you're always have those concerns, but with that part understood, um, I, I think people are, 
you know, I, I, I think, you know, hardcore boxing fans, boxing people, they're, they're rationalizing and making themselves feel better by, you know, jumping all over, you know, Kay Karoma in the corner and Tony Weeks. Doesn't mean that maybe the fight shouldn't have been stopped earlier. Um, but like you said, your bus. It wasn't on. You know what I mean? We've seen he a was lot. Fight, no, he was fighting. He was fighting back. Uh, landed some good body shots periodically. Um, Morrell had definitely taken back over the fight. But why I'm saying that is, yeah, even as I'm watch, watching it in real time and you're thinking about maybe weeks should. You know what I've said before about the corner? Yeah, I know you're talking about uh, saving the fighter, you know, from himself and those types of things, but we do have referees and doctors to stop the fights. You know, I mean, uh, you know, so you really don't want it to come to the corner, uh, that much. I don't think, I think people get carried away with that and then they want to blame the referee, but here's what I'm getting to is, is boxing, is boxing fans and boxing people, what what they even though this happens unfortunately more than we would like and it, and it happens let's face it let's let's be real it happens a few times a year in boxing every year throughout the history of boxing you know death or catastrophic injury as horrible as that is it's it, it is a fact in the sport of professional boxing I think even though that is the case whenever these types of things happen I think everybody in boxing and uh, who follows it, hardcore fans, you, you've got to have your own moral reckoning. I mean, even if you've had it in the past, and obviously even if it's internal, people who follow the sport are involved have to have that periodically. I think you still have to have it whenever things like this happen. In other words, here's what I'm saying is don't don't try to make yourself feel better by immediately attacking Tony Weeks or Kay Karoma when you have a sport that is not safe. Professional boxing is not safe. It's never going to be safe. Uh, the intent is to inflict brain injury on your opponent in professional boxing. A blow to the head that hurts somebody is an intent to inflict brain injury. Every knockout and knockdown, by definition, if you really know the neurology, is a concussion. Okay, I've seen people confuse this now when they, they're getting used to it with the NFL when they start saying in a, in a pro fight, it looked like the guy was concussed. Whenever a guy takes a hard shot and his head gets rocked back, I mean, or he gets staggered, I mean, it's 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 a concussion. It's it's of different severity. Every time there's a knockdown, it's a concussion. Okay, there's just no doubt about that neurologically. So, here's what I'm thinking: doesn't get discussed enough when things like this come up. If you're going to have the sport, sure, you want it to be safer with things like medical provisions at ringside, think, uh, you know, stops fight, fight stopped at the appropriate time. But the sport's, the sport's never, never going to be safe as long as we have pro boxing. And, and, you know, we've talked, you know, in the past, the amateurs really did kind of deal with this issue. It's when they, they changed it, you know, you, you go way back in amateur boxing when they first changed it to, well, we're not going to have, a hurting blow scores more than any other type of blow. I mean, that that's the, the moral idea I'm, I'm talking about going way back in amateur boxing. Then more recently, part because of the judging and also part because of the safety started to have it with just the punch counting where 
you know, you're not focused on, you're not, you're not focused again. You're not focused on a knockout. You're just counting punches. Guys are jumping in and out, just trying to touch you with their gloves, almost like fencing in terms of people, you know, finding that was acceptable in the amateurs, you know, they've gotten away, even in the amateurs, they've gotten away from that. So, you know, there's a fine line, you know, in terms of where we still consider it the same sport, even with that danger, literally life-threatening danger and catastrophic danger being there all the time. But you've got to acknowledge if if that's always going to be part of this sport, if we're going to have it in a similar form, which that it is that, you know, or there's not going to be pro boxing. uh, Then you've got to look at, I mean, the outrage really should be when something happens for like it happens to your boss, Solmi, and it's happened to other fighters, either this kind of catastrophic, injury, death, there, there's not even insurance in place in professional boxing. In other words, you don't even have mandatory catastrophic injury insurance. You don't have mandatory disability insurance or even health involved in these things. You know, the, these undercards, this is one thing, even though people didn't like the Kevin Ioli article within the last week too, and, you know, I know the reasons that he could be criticized for some of that, but there's also in that article – some good points he is making which is you know we've talked about this before we we look at the fighters on the high end what they're making and say well they make more than ufc and everything but we've got guys in these undercards making nothing they're at the same risk of catastrophic injury as everybody else they're at the same risk yeah, of catastrophic injury as right as canelo money right as errol spence and they've got nothing to cover it and Remember, you go back 30 years ago in the U.S. when they were talking about mandatory seatbelt laws, and a lot of people were saying, and the same with motorcycle helmets. Well, it's it's my it's my freedom. I I get to do what I want. And the and the argument that kind of won the day against that, which was correct, really, the way society works, you know, in the U.S. And you've gotten your 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 especially you know in Western Europe and the U.K. things would be like this too. There. They have mandatory health coverage, but I mean the the points the same that uh, you know if, if you're going to hurt you're going to hurt yourself. I mean every in the U you know everybody else is going to pay for it. In other words, if you end up on Medicaid because you you didn't want to wear your motorcycle helmet and uh, you get a catastrophic right. head injury, uh, we're, we're paying we're paying for it. So what I'm saying is I'm not blaming the boxers here. I'm just saying. It's not enough when people say, well, you know, they could say with your boss only or anybody, well, he took the risk. Well, yeah, but when he when he's not covered, he's not covered for catastrophic injury insurance, you know, for disability. In some of these cases, there's not even health insurance. Then somebody's got to pay for that eventually, whether it's be and then whether it be family members or friends to care for the rest of their life. And another thing, it's not enough. It's not even enough to take a little bit of a fund up of fans and say, okay, feel good. We raised a couple of hundred thousand dollars. This is what I can tell you being a personal injury lawyer. And in our business, these are, it's sad, but this is the, the, the tragic part about our business where money is the compensation involved, but we deal with this and it's our job. I'm on the injured person side to get that money. I mean, these are life care plan issues. In other words, when somebody gets a catastrophic head injury like this and they survive, the, 
the, the care for the rest of their life is in the millions of dollars. I mean, that's economically broken down. So when you have injuries like this, you're talking about economic loss, just pure economic loss in the millions of dollars. So what I'm saying is, you know, the answer is not being outraged at Tony Weeks and Kay Caroma and, and planet and pretending that if fights get stopped a little earlier, this sport's going to be safe because it's not going to be safe. You, right. you, you've got to say with these horrible risks that are being taken, uh, if we ha- if we make a moral decision, we're going to have this sport. And of course that's a, that's an, another part of the debate that you could go on all night about. But, but with this type of situation, you know, People got to say, look, if pro boxing is going to continue, they're, they're, you got you got to at least find a way that these guys, if they're going to take these risks, that if something bad happens to them, they're going to be taken care of. And we know also now we know more about CTE. So what about all the the lifelong injuries where it doesn't come down to whether a fight should have gotten stopped or not? It's just because you took so many shots to the head, and then you know you, you get stories like Bobby Chacon out on the streets you know, collect, collecting cans, you know, at, at the end, you know, before, you know, he, he dies from dementia. I mean, uh, you know, and, and we know all of those, all, all those types of stories, but I mean, you know, we're, we're not, we're not even dealing where any of this is taken care of in this sport, even at this point in the year 2022. So to, to think that you're going to scream about a ref should have stopped the fight, corner should have stopped the fight, and you're going to heap it all at them and have this, to me, it's really then even a fake outrage because to, to pretend that that's going to make the sport safe or, or everything would have just been okay with your bus only Saturday night if Tony Weeks would have stopped it or Kay Caromo would have stopped it. I mean, that, that's a joke. Because I'll tell you, too, having deposed many, many neurologists and neurosurgeons, that there's not any credible neurologist or neurosurgeon who would tell you, in their expert opinion, what blow caused those injuries, okay? So let me tell you that right there, too. In other words, you don't know what blow started the injuries of that severity, okay? You know, it could have been a a shot he took a couple of rounds earlier that started it and then it just got worse, you know, taking more shots, but you, you don't, you don't know. So, so when people start saying, Oh, you know, I was outraged. This should have been stopped earlier and this wouldn't have happened. You, you can't, you can't say that. Okay. No, no experts going to tell you they can say that. And I'll also say when you don't have the catastrophic injury insurance and things like that, even though this comes into what I do this is not the best solution for that problem. And, and an example of that would be like um, when you had it on a massive scale, like at 9-11, you know, you had a fund so there were no lawsuits as a result of 9-11 because it just, just all the, the, the amount of lawsuits and the amount of time and sorting out that it would have taken uh, in the legal system. You got a fund and had a better way. Why I'm saying that is you saw that with um, – Makhmadoff years ago in the in the Perez fight, they sued, you know, New York State Athletic Commission, other things, because again, because it's the situation I'm talking about. He covered, so you end up making a negligence claim about something that went on, and it's not that there's not some legitimacy to it. And in there, they were saying about a doctor not being available, and he was allowed to leave the arena and things like that. But the point is that I'm making is, you're you're 
really forced even more so into those situations to have a lawsuit because you don't have the proper insurance coverage and the sport's not set up properly to have at least that kind of coverage for when something like this is going to happen or somebody it's still tragic but at least they that that kind of protection is there you know for the family members and for the care it doesn't stop the horrible injuries but if we're going to have the sport so I'm 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 advocating when things like this happen. Everybody, take a look at yourself. Look, I'm even I have to look at myself even because I'm saying, well, you know, you you'd like to see Morel keep being entertaining and getting a knockout. Well, you know, look look what happened when he got a knockout in this fight. You've got a tragic injury. Now we know that's part of the sport. We've got KO props and betting. I'm not saying it has to all necessarily go away, but everybody's always I think needs to take a moral look before you just start screaming at the referee and the corner, which has become the rote thing we see in all these situations with the hardcore boxing, a lot of the hardcore boxing people, fans, people involved in the sport. And and that's, I'm just saying, that's just trying to make yourself feel better. You know, you, you want the sport as safe as possible. You want fights stopped at the right time. You want medical attention and everything, but to, to think that, you're going to make this sport safe, you know, if referees stop fights a little bit earlier and you've got an oxygen get ringside uh, or, or corners are going to supposed to be looking out for the fighter more, you know, you're, you're just, you're just kidding yourself. You're, you're not dealing with the harder, harder core issues. So that's what I wanted to say for the kind of, well, that's in the ring and out of the ring. And then I just think I'll tie into then just the, the PBC card first, because with that, you know, understood that that tragedy, of course, is part of this sport, unfortunately, and takes away from things. I think in terms of performances, the PBC guys, you know, Morell, really a, a spectacular performer. Um, he had a little bit of slowed up by the body shots, shots he got from your Balsomi in the middle of the fight. And uh, that's where it was a, a competitive fight there. But Morell, just, just too good, too much talent. This, this guy's a star, and I think, Chris, to, to point out something you were bringing out, I think what's amazing to me, too, is we don't even have to look further than the fight Saturday night that preceded uh, Yerba Somi and uh, Morrell when you look at Theodore Jerkazin, who gave Nate Gallimore, who's tough, a, yeah. a horrific beating, a horrific beating over the distance. A fight that at many times during that fight, I said, do we want to really make Gallimore as tough as nails? Do we want to see him keep taking these clean head power shots from Sherkazin, who looks like a star in there, a future star? I was thinking during that fight, probably not. But just because Gallimore didn't collapse at the end, it's, it's what you're saying. I mean – what, what right. really, besides your Basomi collapsing at the end of the fight with Morrell, if you saw both right. fights, I think some people didn't see both fights. What was different about what Theodore Jerkazin was doing to Gallimore in the fight before that? Wasn't a hell of a lot of difference. I didn't no. hear anybody screaming well, about, why the hell didn't they stop Jerkazin Gallimore? I mean, Gallimore was taking all was kinds of power them shots up. today. He was literally he was just lighting like, them up. Probably doing stuff he wouldn't be able to get away with in a fight sometimes, just lining him up, measuring him the whole time, a, a good chunk of the fight, you know? Exactly. And the guy looks like a future star. Um, 
But that, yeah, that to me was a – they have that to be on the same right? card. Yeah, middleweight, which is that a very weak division. Right, right, one of the weakest mm-hmm. in boxing. So I think the guy's right there already. Some people always getting with the wall hold off. Not on this guy. I'm I'm not. I, and I wasn't thinking that going in. But look, Gallimore got a little swag to him too. Got a little style to yeah. him. You hear him at the end of the fight, and he already, you know he knows English really well. Funny dude was talking the whole yeah, he's fight. Yeah, he's taking out. He's taking out. He's taking out Haven. He was taking yep. Al Haven. He's uh, he's saying PBC. I think Al Haven. I'm on Showtime. This guy, this guy's a future star. Um, I feel very confident of that. Extremely impressive. And I think people were mischaracterizing Gallimore a bit, saying, "Oh, Gallimore gatekeeper." Gallimore picks up wins. I mean, you know, he beat Lawson. Right. Uh, you know, in the past, he's he stopped Rosario when Rosario had more left. You know, he beat Deloach. This is not like some punching bag who never gets a win or doesn't come to fight. Um, and, and also, I think another misnomer, even though he, he was a junior middleweight contender, he fought you know 154. He had fought at fights around the middleweight limit before, too. People didn't bother doing their research, and even on the telecast, they weren't saying that. He, he was a guy that he would go up a little bit. You know, you, if you look earlier in his career, he wasn't always at 154 on the nose. So I, I think people even underestimated this Cherkasian performance. And like you said, guy after the fight looks like a star. Uh, he's thanking Al Heyman. He's, you know, speaking English. He's talking about Showtime. He's he's talking about PBC and stuff. Um, just you know, I, I mean, he's not. Yeah, he's just happy to be there, dude. Right. He's not quite as far as Morell yet, even though he's got more fights. But I mean, right. yeah, I'm just saying, like, I, I saw, I wasn't expecting that from this Showtime Me card. I felt like after I saw these, those guys, you know, you had the, the tragic ending of the main event, unfortunately. But in terms of Shirkazian and Morell, I'm like, these dudes look like stars. I mean, PBC Showtime got these two guys on. These guys are looking like absolute stars. We're in November. It's been kind of a disappointing year, but you can see something to build on there. And then, you know, in the other fight on the card. Or at least really uh, tough to beat, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you had uh, other noteworthy performances with, you know, Rosario looks done. He looked done before that. But Brian Mendoza has been tough in the past. He's got a good record. Mm-hmm. Um a nice, nice stoppage with that uppercut. And even though I question if he should continue, and even though Gonzalez is past his best, I mean, Andre Durrell at 39, I couldn't believe it. The guy looked really good. Um, I, I think you can say, should he continue at this point? That's debatable. But it wasn't because of the way he looked Saturday night, because he looked, in terms of what he did, he looked damn good, even against the Gonzalez who was past his best, but Gonzalez was a favorite going in. Um, so, and, you know, that, that was, it was a card of, of some good performances on, on that Showtime uh, PBC card. Um, and then, you know, just turning quickly to the, um, the zone card. Uh, I, I had the same take with, as you with Bivol, more aggressive. Uh, he, he was a little more was aggressive nice against Canelo. Yeah, that he was in those stinkers before that, because they were. People, you can't rationalize those. Those were stinkers, uh, you know, like those fights against Richards and, and you know, that Salamov and those other ones, uh, just just horrible, dull fights. Um, got even a little more aggressive against Ramirez than he was against Canelo. 
Um, and, you know, I'm with you. I, you know, Ramirez, I thought he'd give him a better fight um, with the body work and the size. But, and, you know, I, I misspoke last week. I was talking about, you know, uh, even though he's not a great opponent, I was saying Coley, that was another German light heavy that wasn't that good. It was actually Bosell that he blew away. Um, but, you know, you look, oh, and then right. yeah, yeah, he yeah. blew away. But then, you know, Ramirez, he blew away an old Barrera, and old Gonzalez. He got late. Um, and, you know, we just saw Darrell stop him. Um, you know, as a 168-pound guy, I was then more in the camp with others. I'm with you. You know, the Jesse Hart wins were solid. But Ramirez didn't look that good before that. I, I, I've said this, you know, probably when we were talking. I've said this on other podcasts over the years. Ramirez, to me, was always a strange case in the sense that, he he looked good going to the body, but he he never was, and you, including Saturday, never really a fluid head puncher where he looked real. You know, it's usually the opposite with guys. You know, where he he looked good going upstairs, never really looked fluid. You know, you never really saw. Oh, this is a, a good shot he's got. You know, upstairs, like you know, the opposite of most players look at that first. So I'm th- I'm going into Saturday night thinking. Well, he's got size, and the body attack is his one strength. I'm going to say in his case, and you can't read minds, but I don't buy that he took a shot like from Bivol early, and then he said, oh, i got to watch it here. I'm not saying Bivol's not that good. I am saying he's that good. But, like, Ramirez just kind of looked beaten when he went in there. I mean, he was cautious. And and really, Compared to his usual, now I know he's in with a much higher caliber fighter, but still, even just the effort to do it. I mean, he, and, and you know, I, I've said this before, too. A lot of times the guy's not going to the body because he's afraid of the counter coming back, and that might have been the case. But with, without any body attack, there was no answers for him against Bivol. There never was going to be. He, he's not a, a real fluid head puncher upstairs to begin with. And that's what you saw. You know, I, I, I saw thought the same way. I don't even think I gave Ramirez as many rounds as you did. I thought when they were talking about him doing well. I mean, I, I thought I kind of thought like others, you know, maybe within the first four he might have picked up a couple rounds, but a- after that it just just wasn't much. Like you said, a little bit of back and forth moments there a little later, but not much and never never got the body attack going. Bivol was more aggressive, uh, you know, through some good combinations. I liked it that he didn't jump in and out as much as he does when sometimes he's boring and too cautious. He even stood his ground more than he did against Canelo. Um, but one thing that he gets some credit for, you know, you saw him in, in his earlier fights in his career against some, some kind of quality under the radar opponents. He did show power. But in these fights that we've seen even recently, uh, you, you know, th- he doesn't really get knocked for this but you can see it when you watch it I mean he's just thrown with arms with a lot of these shots you know so I mean we know he can set down when he wants to but but he was even doing that against Ramirez I mean he had some sharp shots here and there but but you see a lot of those times where he comes in with those combinations and it's just all arms so he's and he said it himself in a lot of interviews he's like look I'm I'm content to win fights by decision unanimous decision he doesn't uh, even shy away from that. He said he's good with that, and that's his philosophy. Um, in a funny way, it, it ties a little bit in with the commentary I was given on the Yerba Solmi-Morel fight, which, again, a moral dilemma. 
you know, Americans especially, I think, have always wanted more knockouts. You know, even though it's not boxing, the UFC, they're always showing highlight, real KOs, things like that. It seems at least a little bit generalizing, you know, in, in Europe, the UK, people are a little more content to, you know, w- w- watch a 12 with somebody just, just, just purely boxing and, and not that kind of power punching. Um, except for, you know, the, the Floyd Mayweather popularity in recent years when he was older, because I'm, I am in the camp, you know, he, he punched harder when he was younger at the lower weights, he got knockouts, but he, he wasn't getting that when he was older. Um, his popularity was still there. Um, but generally in the U S you, you, you kind of don't see that. Um, so what I'm saying is, you know, that, that, that's where you kind of get a dilemma. Like maybe, maybe, and, and I'm not saying I'm one of them, but maybe if people just were content, content to watch Bivol do his thing, some people are, but, you know, obviously some people would, would rather watch others. Um, you know, you, you might, you might not have as many KOs and things like that, but again, I, it's always been kind of questionable, especially in the U S you know, you know, is that a sell? I mean, boxing's boxing's having trouble selling as it is. So these are kind of these moral dilemmas, but getting back to the Bivol, the fight in the ring, yeah, dominant performance. I'm with you. Uh, for me, I think, you know, Canelo being at the top pound for pound when Bivol got the win against him, and then he did get more aggressive against Ramirez. He was even a little more aggressive against Canelo than he had been in his previous fights. I, I think he's got the fighter of the year locked up. You know, I'm with you. For me, that's it. It's November. Uh, I don't. I don't think anybody, to me, can surpass him for that. Uh, so I, I think he's going to end up being fight of the year, fighter of the year, rightfully so. He did dominate this fight with Ramirez, but I think the one thing we just do have to add to it, it was a little bit of that combination where the people who were not that high on Ramirez, I, I liked, I thought he was showing some progress as he was up fighting that light heavy, but you didn't see any of that Saturday, even though Bivol's real tough, a difficult guy to fight. I, I think the people that weren't that high on Ramirez earlier in his career, they may have been right that this guy's just got some limitations, and you know, he's he's got some limitations, and and they you saw some of those Saturday night, um, and then just on that card, I'll, I'll just say briefly too, Rockamov and Barrett was a good fight. I'm with you. I don't. I wasn't that impressed with Rockamov. I mean, Barrett wasn't ranked in the top ten going in. Uh, by transnational or the ring. He fought really well, but uh, it was shorter notice as well. I did hear one person say shortly afterward in the commentary, I, I would tend to agree that, see, I didn't think Rockamoff was that impressive. I mean, he was getting some body shots in, but I, I thought Barrett was still really clearly at up to the, the end was the superior guy in that f- fight. He rocked Rockamoff repeatedly and dropped him. Um, you just all of a sudden saw his legs go out from under him. And, you know, apparently after the fight, he'd said it was from Rakamov, but, and I believe that if, if the other fight, you know, other fighters going to say it, I'm not going to, like said in the commentary, I'm not going to question it either, but it's just like, he just came out for that round and the legs were coming out from under him. I would throw in there that I think you could probably speculate that, that maybe his conditioning wasn't as good because he was on short notice. But, you know, Rockamoff to me 
kind of kind of an ordinary guy. I mean, uh, you know, I I don't I don't think I wasn't that impressed. I mean, you know, uh, he hasn't fought any real big punchers. Um, you know, and I was looking at that fight and, and the getting rocked and dropped by Barrett, who hasn't been known as a puncher, uh, and really is wasn't even a legit top ten guy. Uh, I think Rockamov's got a lot of trouble against somebody who's got some some speed and some pop, and Cordina could be that, frankly. So I think that that's a good matchup from, for Cordina from what I saw with Rockamov. And then Cameron and McCaskill, I'm with you. Cameron really well. I, I thought her performance was impressive, but you looked at McCaskill in the early rounds. The balance was off, and she, it looked like the 38 years old and starting boxing late kind of caught up with her there. She had a, a great run for that scenario, and she did show heart trying to come on at the end, but the balance was terrible. Uh, she was just, you know, she, she fights aggressively and throws a lot of, you know, kind of wide shots anyway, but it, it was just worse than usual, and uh, it was an easy win for, for Cameron, and McCaskill really didn't look good, so uh, she she might want to, might want to be careful about push, pushing things too much for farther at age 38. It looked like things had finally caught up with her there. Um, but I agree with you. That was, uh, you know, the, the cards, the cards did have that card had some entertainment value. Um, and I do want to say there, haven't mentioned it before, but you know, Barry Jones, the British commentator, he does do a good job. Um, I've liked him before. Just kind of wanted to give him a shout out that he, he does some good fair analysis, um, and you know he, he really uh, is one of the one of the guys that's becoming one of the better guys out there. And, and he keeps it real. He's fair, and he, he's got he's got good breakdowns on the fight. And he's not just a cheerleader or anything like that. So uh, he, he he does a good job. I think uh, the zone would be uh, well off to to use more of him. Really, um, I thought I thought he I thought he did a really good job. Um. So, how good do you think David Morrell Jr. is through oh, uh, I, what I think, eight I, fights? Eight fights. I mean, I mean I, we've seen I, I him. Think... We've seen him progress. He at the beginning of his career was able to get a twelve rounder in where you saw some flaws and saw him get a little tired. Now he had a different type of twelve rounder with a guy coming at him. Um. It's really starting to come together, John. Oh yeah, I think this this aggressive morale, which I think I I think we still saw, even though it went into the twelfth, we still saw it Saturday night. Um, this 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 aggressive morale is just a superstar, and I tweeted it after the fight, and I really do believe it. Um, you're going to have a lot of hundred and sixty eight pounders being willing to fight each other because it's going to mean not fighting David Morrell. <laughs> I think we've already started to see it. Um, that nobody, you know, no nobody's nobody's going to be looking to get in with this guy. Um, he, he's at that level. He's only twenty four years old too. I mean, uh, nobody's going to be looking to get in with this guy. I was thinking uh, about that. I started looking at like the WBA rankings because a lot of times that's where you find your opponent, or or you know maybe a freshly when they freshly rank him by the time he has another fight or whatever. I was trying to look around and I'm like, man, I just. There's some good fights for him. I don't know if those fights are going to be made. But a name that came up was uh, Damon Dickelson. And I thought, hmm, that actually might be a good fight for him. He recently just fought. Um, I'm not saying, you know, I mean, he went the distance with Bar- uh, Berlanga a few years back. 
Um, I'm not saying he's going to beat him or nothing like that, but as far as like in, I believe, the early second quarter, they'll bring him back. Um, he just needs to fight another quality fighter if they can get it. You know, like you said, it's going to be tough to get the, the top-level guys. So I was looking through the names, and I'm like, man, yeah, this isn't going to be easy. No, I don't think he's going to be able to get anybody. Probably the the, be, the best hope he would have is that if the winner of Benavidez plant is so confident and, you know, PBC then could make that, that he's willing to get in with them. But, but I, I don't even know if the winner of, of Benavidez and plant would want any part of this at this point. Um, you know, you know, in the old days, they did have a good solutions for this. Like, you, you know, you, it doesn't mean that, that somebody wouldn't be being dodged for a while. They would be. But, like, in the old days, the way they used to get around it sometimes was you, you take then somebody else that nobody else wants to fight, and then you put him in with Morrell. You know, you now you have these it, promotional right? yeah. problem, problems and things like that. Now, people will throw the name out, and some people laugh, but, like, you know, now he's not with PVC at the moment. But in the old days, like, this, this would be, like – you know, where then an Android would fit, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, supposedly yeah. nobody wants to fight him. And then you say, okay, well, you know, we're, we're going to, you know what we're going to do? Morell's going to fight Android, you know? And, and that I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. Or, or to me where then the promotional things become problems because some people say, oh, not ready. stuff. this, if you didn't have all these promotional, you know, and we can, of course, there's a million fights we can throw that out with, but but this would be a good example. Like, again, in the old days, like you know when you didn't have as many of these promotional TV roadblocks, like then like you might even have like, well, nobody wants to fight Beater BF, you know, and and there's really no like I said, we got too many weight classes. I mean, I'm sure Morell could fight at light heavyweight, you know, maybe he fights Bivol or Beater BF because you know he's looking great and and. uh you know, these guys, nobody's too anxious to fight these guys either, but, you know, one guy's on his own, one guy's the top rank. We know all those kind of problems. So, um, Andrade, you know, maybe floating around out there, That that w- that's where he, a guy like that could come in sometimes. But, yeah, Nicholson, I, I always mean, but that's that's the thing. You're right, you might be that. Yeah, like I'm not but, saying it's a great fight, but where he's at and what is realistic, I thought, you know what, that's an experience guy who probably might take it you know he's taken on other you know uh somewhat tough uh as far as like you know punching power tough obviously for manga and morale that's not even comparable but um yeah it's going to be interesting when it comes to that and just to fill you in on um andre i remember samson when they were talking about andre as a as an opponent for Benavides when he was going to fight in January or, you know, they had a target date in January and whether it was Kataji got thrown off that card for whatever reason, right? It was never officially announced, but whatever the reason was, I'm glad it's not happening. I'm glad we get Caleb Plant, but he did say, Samson said, we, we were thinking about Andre, but he wanted to fight first since he's been out so long and then fight. So I don't know. And there has been talks about him, potentially signing or at least was in talks or something with PBC 
but I'm not sure if Al is willing to give him a stay busy fight before he can fight someone big. But if you're going to try to get morale somebody, like you said, you know, maybe that would be worth giving him a, a tune up on an undercard um, and then put him in together or maybe even have him on the co feature or something like that. Because um, that would be a big fight for him next year. You know, I really hope that he does get two or three quality of opponents if it isn't like an Andre or one of those top guys but yeah it's going to be interesting man but I, I I mean tell me Ronnie Shields wasn't happy John after that fight he oh he, he, he had to be I mean I mean you can I, see his because Ronnie's a pretty you know contained dude I mean he'll tell his fighter yeah. what's wrong and all that he's very open that way but after the fight you know I've seen him celebrate plenty of times and be happy of course but he just had this thing about him, like, I got another one here, you know? Oh, Morrell looks like a superstar. I mean, you know, and then Cherkazin right behind him. Like I said, even though he's had more fights, not on Morrell's level. But, I mean, I, I could see that with him, too. Like you said, he, he just had the kind of the attitude and the speaking English. But Morrell's farther ahead. I mean, you know, he, he just looks like a star. And, and like I said, I go back to the old weight classes because, you know, I just feel like these alphabet ones have been added. There, there was no physical necessity for them. Like, I'm, I always then look at the traditional classes. Like, Burrell's at 168. So I'm looking at, like, anybody at 168 or 175. To me, you know, Morrell, yeah. about to be a superstar, could take on, you know, can take on these guys. Now, like you and I are saying, you can't necessarily make these fights, but I'm looking at those all as, like, people he could, in theory – take on if, if if you could make the fight. So it's just a matter of like we're saying, who are you going to make the fight with? I mean, you know, some people argue, but I, I would disagree. I mean, like he, I've seen enough, even for who's fighting, you know, who, who's he not ready for, you know, really at, at this point at 168 or 175, you can make arguments. Maybe he doesn't win if he's fighting like a, a, a Bivol or a, or a beater BS. Right. Uh, but look, you know, are you going to, would you really, you wouldn't, let's face it, you're not going to count him out, even if, it, in theory, Canelo's not going to fight him, but you you wouldn't count him out, even against a Canelo, I, I certainly wouldn't, I mean, you got like Parker and Ryder are going to fight, I mean, he killed both of those guys, you know, shouldn't say it with what just happened, but I mean, he just, you know, he annihilated right. both of those guys, uh, I mean, um, you know, you know, plant Benavidez winner. I mean, I, I don't think that would be good. I mean, and then, but like, like even if then he got like a the loser of plant Benavidez, you, you, I'd be tending to think whoever lost that fight couldn't. Yeah, you know, who's going to jump in around. to a back-to-back fight like that? You know. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know who. Doesn't even line I don't know up who to get him to fight. You know. Right, but but the, but the one thing he's doing again. This is the part. There's kind of a moral dilemma. Um, especially with what just happened, but with that part understood, um, what he's doing is, if if you know if he's not going to be able to get some of these guys in, he he's he's just annihilating the opposition right now. So you know maybe PVC is onto a little bit with him where they've got him based in in Minneapolis and you know he's 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 headlining on show and. You're going to just see him annihilate, you know, annihilating people. But uh, right. the, the, that's what's a shame. You know, it's it's unfortunately part of the sport 
but with what what just happened with your Basomi, because that that might be almost where your your marketing morale now, uh, you know, be, even before that he was doing that. So I mean, like you know that that he's just he he guys can't even go the distance with him at this stage. Um, that, that it might it might just have to be that type of thing. Um, one one thing I did watch it too. I was with you. I didn't get to really study it and watch the whole thing for what it's worth, but I did. I I did end up liking the way Showtime did that lineup. Didn't even really know that till Saturday. Uh, they ran the Paul Silva replay right before the the main card, and uh, right. you know yep. Jake Paul. I mean, for for what it's worth, I don't know what this leads to and what you make of it. I did tweet it up after I watched the whole replay, like. Jake Paul is he, he's pretty good for a guy who who never I mean he never boxed until he was in his twenties like you know he's doing something he's in with a forty seven year old guy but he is doing some things in there that are pretty good for a guy who you know, never never learned to box till he was in his twenties um, they're doing a good job with him like that now the question is what does that mean in other words like where where does that take him I, I'm not even sure but. That said, he, that said, he, he's you know that he's pretty he's pretty good in that he's pretty good in that sense. Um, I mean, you know, like you and I said last week, it'd be you know the the Nate Diaz thing probably sells, and I don't think Nate Diaz can handle him in boxing. Um, so so it goes on. I don't know I don't know where it goes. But you know, I was thinking it's probably actually not really worth anything, but it's the truth. Um, you know, when you watch Campbell Hatton fight and you watch Jake Paul fight, I mean, Jake Paul's a better fighter than Campbell. Jake Paul's a better fighter than Campbell Hatton is. I mean, you know, I know maybe yeah. uh, Campbell Hatton is quote unquote with boxers, but look at the boxers he's in with. You know, he he was fighting guys that that virtually had no wins. You know, and 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 getting into life or death struggles with them. Um, so just say I don't know even even what that's worth, but I'm just I think you could throw that out there. You know, is 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 Jake Paul worse than a guy like that? Not really. Um, but again, I don't know what that what does that ultimately mean? You know, uh, like like we were saying, it might ultimately just mean it leads to some sort of cash out fight somewhere. Which you know, I guess that could be a lot of guys that are a lot better than him. It just depends what you can sell at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be kind of interesting. Um, any other items that you, you want to talk about this weekend? Obviously, we do have, you know, uh, Jeanebeck and Bentley. But, you know, we got some fights this weekend. Nothing stands out as, like, close to, you know, really a 50-50. Jones is, is fighting. Sonny Edwards is fighting. Felix Alvarado. Not many closely matched fights, uh, uh, you know, happening. Uh, Montana Love. Uh, Stevie Spark, Richard Hitchens is staying busy. Um, any items you want to talk about or, or some of that news with Plant Benavides or, or whatever? I mean, there was that Frank Martin-Michelle uh, Riviera fight May 2, December 17th. Any items you want to talk about? Yeah, that, that Martin-Rivera fight's a great fight. Uh, so, I mean, that's a great fight. These to me almost came out of nowhere. I, I was getting kind of down on what Showtime was doing. That's why I was mentioning the car Saturday, uh, except right. for the, the tragic aspect of it. it. That was a much more entertaining card than I expected with guys that really I already knew about Morell, but I didn't know about uh, Shirtazen. 
occasion yeah. and uh he, he 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 looks real good and then there were some other good performances you know with uh Mendoza and Durrell and uh so um yeah that that was a surprise there this week you know the um I think Alec Kabuli uh, you know Janabek I, I don't think that Bentley fight's competitive. I see people, oh, well, Bentley's not that bad, and that, that's not really that bad under the circumstances. Totally disagree with that. I think it's a mismatch. Uh, you know, I, I think Oliver Kanluli, he, he just annihilates him. I mean, he, he's he's another guy that's coming on. Uh, you know, McGirt's work with him, and he's he's developed more power. He He's, you know, a little bit, not, not as dramatically as Morell's doing, but he has stepped it up too, where he started to get guys out of there. Um, and I think that continues. I, I just don't think this, but I, I don't know why people are thinking this Bentley. I'm not saying all people, but, but I've seen some people who sh- to me should know better. Like, well, Bentley's not that bad. He might have some, no, no, he's got nothing for him. This is a Mitch match. This is going to be about like that last guy that Alman uh, Kamluli fought. So uh, now, there's another guy like you get. We got all this promotional stuff, but I, I do really believe that. Like that's another guy that nobody wants to fight. So like, you know, again, in, in the old days world, without the promotional stuff, and even though he's at 160 middleweight now, but again, you know, with all these weight classes, not that much different. Like, you, you know, maybe he. You're know, like in an ideal boxing world. Maybe then like he fights Morrell or something like that. You know what I mean? Again, like the, the two guys that we really can sense people are not anxious to get in with. You put, you put them in with each other, make it, make a good fight out of that. Um, because yeah, I don't think anybody wants to fight Alan Kaluli right now. He, he's too good for what the pay is. I mean, I understand where fighters are coming from. You know, I, I agree, agree with everybody else in terms of fighters courage. Like, you know, if they're going to get paid enough, they're going to fight. <laughs> yeah, they're going to fight him and say, Hey, the guy's yeah, tough, yeah. but I'll, I'll get in there with him. But, but you know, no, nobody's going to be looking for him. Uh, unless it's unless it's a really big uh, uh, unusual payday, and guys like Morell, you know, of course, uh, that's why they have trouble getting getting fights at a certain point. So yeah, I, I don't think that one's uh, I don't think that one's going to be competitive. You know, I mean, this this Love and Sparks not a good fight. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what Hearn's doing there. Um, yeah, know, I heard the ticket handle. sales for that are like really bad yeah it's just you know not not a not not a not a good not a good fight i mean you know that, that's just that's just not, that's not a good fight so um yeah not not too not as much uh not not as it's much this, not as much this weekend as last weekend yeah it's funny on a light weekend we still have like three cards john <laughs> it just shows i know how and that's much just... damn boxing is on. It's I know, great. and that's the thing with the time commitment. It's hard to say it's a bad thing, but I'm doing that even right. a little more than I used to. I mean, you know, you're, you're just you're just oh, still yeah, a human being with a life. Cards. Right, right. No matter how much fight. you love boxing, yeah, all these, yeah, every you, fight. That's probably like right. 19, I think we're at that probably twenty fights. Right. I think we're at that point that you know. Let's be realistic. As much of a fanatic as you are. Even if you you decide to put it in one weekend or something, right? You can't. 
I mean, you, you know, you have to have a life as well. I mean, you can't, you can't be put right. You can't be putting in 24 hours of watching fights every, every weekend. I mean, you know, um, so that's why, that's why I keep harping on this, but I do think it matters. The, the promoters TV, they, they got to really start giving really defined windows of when you're going to say see these main fights, because you, even for the hardcore fans, you got to allow it where they can, they can make an intelligent choice to just say like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to watch the, uh, you know, Rockamore Barrett and the Bivol Ramirez fight, or, you know, it could be any combination or whatever, but, but at least letting fans kind of have that option. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, uh, you have yourself a nice night, sir. Uh, I don't know how late you're going to, but, uh, I assume Pennsylvania and some other states are going to take a little while to try to make well, actually, in that race, you probably will. It's the, it's the other layers in there. But anyway, thanks for uh, coming on on an election night, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take it easy. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, we'll go from the sport of boxing to the sport of politics. Yeah, we keep it politics, though, right? Plenty of politics. Right. Either way. <laughs> for the rest of the night. All right. Okay. Have a good one, Chris. Take care. Thanks for having yeah, me. Too. Oh, yeah. Take it easy. All right, for those who are in the politics, like myself, it's an interesting night, no doubt. Now, I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, the first tweet that I saw, and given I, 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 I was busy till about one in the morning that night, give or take. Well, actually, I suppose it was midnight, right? We did go back an hour. So I got home. Hit 2 o'clock, and it was like, oh, shit, it's 1 o'clock. Sweet, I got more time than I thought. Um, This is Dan's tweet. He said, according to several – and, of course, this has to do with uh, Adios. um, According to several sources involved in Saturday night's Showtime premiere boxing event, um, let's see, hospitalized. His specific condition is unclear, but one source said he is hurt really bad. Then he said, I spoke to the nurses, I spoke to the nurses station at the Minneapolis hospital, which, oh, at a Minneapolis, at the hospital that he was admitted to, um, to inquire about his condition and was told they were not permitted to release the information, which is obvious. You know, we, it was the Hennepin County Medical Center in Minneapolis, um, you know, and Jake Donovan tweeted something. He said, at risk to contributing to different reports, uh, Suleiman Promotions confirmed that the boxer was there, but dismissed claims of being in critical condition as uh, misinformation. Uh, and this is what, he actually deleted this tweet, and I'm not trying to call out Jake this or anything like that, but this is what I mean. There was a lot of in-between stuff uh, that, you know, because the, the second tweet was his team insisted doctors had, had informed them his condition is not life-threatening, expect the full recovery, but remain will remain under observation for at least two weeks. You know what I mean? So it was kind of back and forth when it came to that. This is actually the, their post. Um, the be- Okay, so he's hospitalized in the best clinic in Minneapolis, and that is true. According to the physicians, there is no threat to life. He will under observation for about two weeks. 
since uh, it is related to private life of the sportsman, we cannot distribute full information. So he said now the representatives of the promotion at PBC are near him. Uh, they're arranging transportation for the parents and relatives of the boxers to the U.S. Um, at the moment, there are regular briefings from our side with representatives of TGB and, and the PBC and Showtime. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's where we're at. There has been a lot of misinformation out there. Um, trying to be first or whatever the hell you know, this stuff is. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I, 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 I just hope for his safety. But, you know, I don't know how serious it is. That's personal information, which I um, – just talking about – I mean, Brian Mendoza, uh, Jason Rosario, um, first couple of rounds gave to Mendoza. He was just landing the better shots. Good two-way action, though, in spots, you know. Um, the last minute of, say, the second round, big left hook to the body um, and forced Rosario. There was actually two left hands to the body, but one was like a delayed take a knee, and, he, you know, he just kept the last, like, 30, 40 seconds body and head combinations uh, by Mendoza. Um, and then you started seeing Rosario actually being a little busier, pressuring. I thought he actually bounced back good in the third. Um, and in the fourth, lead right hands by Rosario. There was a nice late, uh, late left hook that I had in my notes um, for Mendoza that round. Uh, and fifth round comes around. Mendoza comes out with a nice jab and just a nasty right uppercut. Rosario uh, uh, tried to get up, tried to sit up, stand up, and, and stumbled really badly. TKO. Basically a KO in my sense, you know, in my eyes, because he didn't really get all the way up. And now Mendoza, back-to-back uppercut KOs. Um, and then after, he's like, thank you, Mississippi. I mean, I mean Minnesota. I mean, Minneapolis. I love it here, you know, because he has – I thought it was only two fights, but he said he fought three fights there. And now that I think about it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, he did. But that was pretty funny. It was like that commercial, you know, with uh, – the band, uh, I think it was a band, or was it a was it a band, like a music group, or or maybe it was a a comedian, where he's like, "Thank you, Detroit," and he's like, "Oh shit, we're not Detroit," but he's like, "Thank you, Mississippi," and the crowd booed like, "Man, this ain't Mississippi, what the fuck?" But it was kind of funny. It was it was really funny how he said that, uh, and then like uh, you know, um, John was saying, "Chercaution." Dude looked pretty good. I mean, there are times where I thought um, he was kind of measuring with his jab and literally like trying to line up his right hand. And of course you're trying to measure. Of course you're trying to line right up. But I'm talking about obvious. And he did get clipped a couple times doing that. Um, but overall, you know, Gallimore would move and then throw in combination at times. You know, in the eighth and ninth round later in the fight, it did become more ugly. There was a lot of clinching and all that. Um, but the overhand right on the inside, the uppercuts, the hook combinations. Um, Chercaution looked good, dude. He looked pretty good, considering this was his first kind of breakout opponent. Um, he outlanded him 227 to 98 through 536 to 414. 
landed 42% of his overall punches. And, and to be fair, like I said, Gallimore got his in at times. Um, he landed 24%, but when you look at the power shots overall, 190 to 79, and body shots 59 to 6. That was that was Prador Shirkashi. And uh, he had a little, like I said, he had a little pizzazz to him. He had a little swag on him. He was talking shit, and uh, it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Didn't get to see all the undercard fights as far as on YouTube. Talked about the Darrell fight and whatnot. But overall, it was a good weekend. And the person standing out, there's two people I thought that stood out. Well, Cameron, too. Um, uh, yeah, she, she, was, she had a good fight, no doubt. But Dimitri Bivol taking care of business over uh, Gilberto, clearly. I mean, that was... Uh, you know that was that was one sided. That was super one sided. So, um, and, and obviously Dimitri Bivol, and then that's the standout one hundred percent because that's the fighter of the year. Um, like I said, Bam Rodriguez, Jermel Charlo, some other folks had a damn good year, no doubt about it. Right, no doubt about it. Um, Taylor, we could go even deeper than that. But I, I think you got to give it to Dimitri Bivol. You know, he, he lost, what, two rounds against uh, Gilberto? And and then beat Canelo. And he beat him clean, real clean. By the way, there's six minutes left of the live stream. 646-381-4990 is the number to dial. Um, Portland, let me know if you want to jump in, if you're at work doing your thing or, or, or whatever. That's uh, all good, too. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Morell Jr. looked damn good. Like I said, it sucks that way. Hopefully, from the sounds of it, anyway, that this, he's going to be okay. Um, but yeah, Morell looked damn good. Of course, the Armory crowd came out to support him, like they always do. Um, oh, I, so the WBC convention is going on right now, um, and I'm kind of looking at the timeline and Jake Donovan uh, was is tweeting about it. Sunday Punchers tweeting about it, Angelo. Um, but here's one that really stands out. WBC to remove all boxers from Russia, Belarus, from its ranking. Policy exemptions explained. So you can basically, uh, uh, you know, so basically it says he's standing firm. Uh, not, you know, no, oh, not sanction. oh, my fault, not sanctioning any fights taking place in Russia. Which one is it? Okay, that was their previous order. Okay, the ruling is now extended down to the fighters who hail, wow, I do not like this at all. Like, on one hand, I understand, like, the Olympics, you know, if you're going to do political shit against each other countries, they're always looking for some, you know, way to hurt a country when they're at war. You know, at least the Olympics, I'm not saying I'm for it, but I, but at least it's such a, a world level that it would draw attention to it, right? And you'd say, oh, no, this now you're screwing your own athlete, you know, that type of thing. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying, okay? That would make more sense, but this shit to me, so now you're not going to have any Russian fighters in your ranking? 
or Belarus do? Like, that's fucking stupid in my mind. Um, it's, it's fucking garbage. Analyzing the ongoing situation uh, with the invasion of Russia into Ukraine, which, you know, by the way, those, those boxers didn't, you know, they didn't, they weren't like, we are going to invade. I'm in control. You know, I mean, it wasn't their decision. Um, so yeah, they're removed from the ranking, the WBC. Like I said, I can understand the not sanctioning fights there. Okay. Okay. You know, whatever. But to take it out, that's fucking bullshit. Man. I, I'm really against that. I don't think that that should be. Now they do have, um, you know, ex- exceptions will be considered by Mexico, blah, 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 including Russian-born boxers living elsewhere. Um, they have said that they're, they they will have appeals and stuff like that. But that is a big thing that just came out, which, like I said, bullshit. I'm not a big fan of that. I think that's bullshit, okay, period. I think it's completely, completely nonsense. Completely bullshit. I do not like that. Okay, so you guys know where I stand with that. Um, I'm not saying I agree with Putin invading Ukraine. That's not what I'm fucking... I think that's ridiculous, too. You know what I mean? But I just don't think that the fighters themselves should be... uh, Alright, so, you know, we heard some talk about the the May, Cinco de Mayo weekend. Um being available because Eddie Hearn, or I'm sorry, I got to Eddie. I'll get to Eddie Hearn in a second because he has some other things to say about it. But this is a report on boxing scene. Uh, Canelo Alvarez undergoes wrist surgery. This was last Thursday or something like that. The, the thing's cut off, so I don't know what it is. But uh, he said that it, you know it's wrist surgery. Um, it took place, you know, the surgery took place in the United States. He said, September is possibly when I return. We'll see what's best. My time, my body needs rest. You know, last year I fought for some time for another month. And, it, you know, it got to him, basically, um, which, which I understand. But Hearn says, and this was just Monday, yesterday, Canelo says, Hearn says Canelo was pleased with wrist surgery, or surgery, optimistic that he returns in May. So he indicated that there's a possibility it'd be September, he beating Canelo. But he said, that, this is what he said on the Chris Mannix uh, podcast. He said, we're boxing with Chris Mannix. Yeah, I spoke with him after the surgery. I think he was very happy how it went. He talked about being able to punch in two months. So I don't see, certainly, he hasn't too early to say, but I believe you'll see him return in May. Because if he's punching towards the end of the year, he'll be fine. Now, he said that now that could extend him to September, maybe. Uh, he had that run of fights and whatnot. So it's kind of, of course, the promoter, promoter would like to get him back earlier. Um, and we'll see exactly what, you know, what that means as far as getting him back and where he'll go and whatnot. Um, like I said, there, there, there's fights that I'm going to watch, no doubt about it. But I don't see, you know, Floyd Mayweather's actually fighting too. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'm going to watch that ESPN card, uh, watch the zone card and whatnot. But like I said, there's just not a lot of premium prediction. Hopefully we have like a nice recap. Felix, I think that's on Friday, right? The Felix Alvarado, fairly large underdog to, to Sonny Edwards. 
I, I listed some of the other fights going on. Um, yeah, like I said, there's really not many like plus 180 or anything. You know what I mean? I, I mean, if you look around, there's just not Floyd Diaz is fighting. You know, there's really not that many fights uh, that really grab the attention. However, we know how boxing goes. Sometimes the weekend where you think, oh, shit, you know, oh, snap. Um, then all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it's different. Who knows? Maybe we'll have some good fights to, you know, to talk about and whatnot. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But um, as far as fights, th- then we'll get into some fight news. I'll talk a little bit about that Spence Crawford stuff because that did happen. Um I do want to document some of that IG stuff and also Spence's rebuttal, but I don't want to spend much time on it. Um, As far as fight news goes, though, we did get a fair amount um, of news. Uh, Frank Martin, December 17th, as we know, Michelle Rivera, I, I absolutely think that's a great fight. Two unbeaten guys. Um, and I think it's like they're going to call it like a remember when they used to do these more of the special editions. They're not championship boxing, but they're just special edition. A lot of times they'd be on Fridays, too. But Frank Martin, uh, Michelle Riviera, that's a that's a banger. Like Martin's going to be, you know, the guy who's on the ooh, excuse me, guy who's on the outside a little bit more, of course. But sign me the F up for that. Now, we also got news from the fighters. They don't have an exact date. I'm hearing March from a variety of sources, including David Benavides said it in the video that they're going to fight March. But Caleb Plant and David Benavides, they're not going to wait till May or June. Um, they're just going to go right into it. And that way, if it is March, that way three, four months later, and then all of a sudden, you know, Benavides is out of the ring for a year. And he has said he's been staying in camp and all that. He thought he was going to get a January fight. But I'm sure he's not pissed that if he's going to fight in January, it's just to wait another month or two. It's just to get the fight he wanted. This is huge. So Caleb Plant and David Benavides has signed the contract. Not just agreed to terms. Because we've heard the agreed to terms thing, right? Plenty of times lately. So that fight is done um we're here in showtime i'm assuming showtime but you know i I can't assume much um coppinger and somebody else said it was going to be showtime but you know fox may be i mean caleb you know caleb's been with fairmount he was just on the undercard i'm not sure who's going to get it but it does sound like like i said steven espinoza talked about how we're about to not about to like tomorrow, but they're going to release a, a big-ass schedule. So when you start to look at it, Frank Martin, Michelle Revere, a banger. Charlo Tim Zoo in January, banger. It sounds like Wilder and Ruiz is going to happen because uh, the WBC is going to call for it. I don't know if that they, – they, so anyway, Wilder, you know, I mean, Wilder-Ruiz is a damn good fight. Um it sounds pretty good about Fury Usyk. We've heard uh, Taylor and Catterall too is going is a done deal, and that's going to be in February. I think it's February fourth. 
Hopefully we can get Tank and Garcia in January and February. Still don't really know exactly about that. But, uh, and obviously, who's Spence going to fight? Is it going to be Keith Thurman? Is he going to shock everyone and uh, fight Boots? I don't know. I don't know. But that's a pretty damn good schedule just looking at the main event. And, and like I said, over the last few weeks, we've kind of documented some undercard fights uh, that are going to be involved with the announcement. Um, so that it's looking fucking pretty good. Now, I know a lot of fans are bummed the way this year ended. Um, and I get it. I do get it. The last, you know, this this month and next month, it is kind of a bummer. We did think that, no, you know, in two weeks we were about to get a spend in Crawford. So I get that. But, man, this schedule is looking pretty damn good. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And, and I do know for a fact that um, PBC has, I believe, five or six dates booked at the MGM every month, basically. Um, and they do have um, the May 6th Cinco de Mayo at MGM. So does that tell you that Canelo has already said, I'm not going to? Or was Canelo going to go away from Vegas and go to Texas or, or fight overseas or something like that? Fight Mexico. I don't know. But what I do know is he's probably not going to fight, um, you know, that, that, Jan- January, that May. Now, what would be ideal is if, you know, we know uh, Crawford is going to fight in about a month. If Spence and then May 6th would be Spence Crawford on Cinco de Mayo, if, in fact, Canelo's not going to fight that, he's going to fight in September, like like he said, um, that would be a perfect date for it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out Wilder and Ruiz for obvious reasons on Cinco de Mayo, too. And if you look at Andy Ruiz, he just did a healthy gate with Ortiz. It was like 1.4 or 1.5. I think it outdid what – now, Ryan Garcia was fighting the guy to go. Yeah, right? That's the guy's name. But So he did a little bit better gate. But, you know, if you Ortiz is at least a name people know where that wasn't the case. So I'm not trying to say bigger than Ryan Garcia. I'm just saying that would be a fucking big fight. And we all know black fighter against Mexican fighter, it's kind of like the throwback. Uh, to the black and white fight, right? It was always a big fight. And I get in thinking about it. It'll be interesting to see who takes that date if, in fact, Canelo is saying that, you know, after that wrist surgery, he wants to take time, he wants to rest his body because of that busy schedule, which I get. Um, you know, who is going to take over that Cinco de Mayo date? Um, what I do know is um, TGB and PBC – they have the date reserved at the MGM. Um, now, we've seen, I remember it was in September where we had uh, Chavez Sr. I'm sorry, Jesus Christ. Chavez Jr., my my bad, Sr. I didn't mean to do that. But, because uh, you're a legend. Um, but his son in Sergio Martinez fought. And, and in that same day, same at the MGM, they fought at the Thomas uh, the Thomas Center, no, Thomas Mack Center. Um, this is before T-Mobile, obviously. And um, on the same night, both of them had huge crowds. I think it was Jose Cinto Lopez, yeah. That was a, da- a damn good undercard, too. But um, the place was jumping in there, actually. 
I ended up going to that fight because it was cheaper tickets with a better card, and I felt like I knew what was going to happen in both main events. And that was the case until late in that fight when, uh, you know, when Martinez got hurt. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see who takes over um, that date if, in fact, he's not going to fight. Um, and I don't think he's going to fight in Vegas if that's already booked. You know, you'd think that they'd already have that booked. So I'm going to go out to Portland here, make sure he's ready. I just text him. We're going to go out to 503 Portland host Sway to see how he's doing here. Let's make sure that he's ready for me. Um, You know, like I said, we will talk a little bit about, um, you know, some other items out there, Um, you know, a couple of boxing Twitter segments and whatnot, that that type of thing. But um, I just want to see, I haven't gotten a response. He said 10 minutes. I don't know if that was 10 minutes or not. But it's funny because here's a perfect example of Twitter, yeah, but YouTube channels going over the top, especially just in general, YouTube, by the way, in general, whether it's pro-PBC or anti-PBC. But Barbershop Conversations, ever since he had a falling out um, with a, a press pass, in a fight with Kenny Porter or whatever you want to call that. Um, some people are really going out of their way to, 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 to talk shit. And this David Benavidez fight, a lot of people said, look, they don't even have money for David Benavidez fight. That Showtime's out of money. Espinosa's out of money. PBC's out of money. And then they turn around and they fucking make this fight. So here's a little clip. Then we're going to go to Portland. Houston, we have a problem. Steven Espinosa just canceled David Benavidez and Uzataki because the money didn't come through. They're going to say what they want to say. Showtime is not paying for that garbage-ass fight. They're going to lie and say Uzataki lost his last fight. Something happened with a visa. Uh, maybe a back problem like they did Jamal Charlo, but it's out. Now let's see what happens with Jamel and Tim Zhu. It's getting rough over here, y'all. It's getting rough. Steven Espinosa running out of money, might be running out of jobs, fighters struggling. What is Samson and Al going to do when the money runs out on you? And that was actually a pretty funny fight, I got to say, at the end there. I mean, it was bullshit, but it was funny. I'll give him credit there, but... He's talking about, you know, Jermel Charlo and Tim Zhu. Let's see if that falls out because they don't have money for it. Showtime's getting out of the boxing business. They don't have money for it, right? And then, you know, the, like I said, the Benavides thing. It's running out of money. And they fucking turn around and make fucking Caleb Plant and uh, Benavides. And that's, that's – we'll just call it PBC right now because I'm not going to call it a Showtime fight just yet. I will say that, but it is funny. Um, people want to message me and people use, you know, they used to dump on, oh boy, from Barbershop Conversation. I mean, you, they used to fucking dump on him because he was over the top pro BBC. I mean, Al Heyman in his mind could never do anything wrong. But the second his pass, his press pass got taken and he, he made a big thing about Kelly Swanson 
but he also got into a little tussle in front of a venue, a PBC event. Well, not it's not their venue, but a, an event that PBC was, you know, putting on. He got in a little tussle, a little mix-up, whatever you want to call it, with Porter. And I don't know if that plays into it or whatever, but all of a sudden now he's just – before it was the PBC can't do a goddamn thing wrong, right? And now they're doing everything wrong. So that dude has been a, a, a you know – He's been grifting for quite some time. Let's put it that way. All right, let's get out to Portland. 503 host Sway. Portland, man, what the hell's going on? Hope everything's going good. I want to hear the song, sir. Yeah, my bad, bro. Fuck, I fucked up. Hey, yo, yo, what up, what up, Chris? My bad. Uh, Y'all dude, uh going doing good uh here in uh or uh, Portland, Oregon, uh or I should say getting cold ass cold as fuck, Oregon. Um but how you doing, Chris? How's everything, brother? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. You know, we're kinda going up and down in temperatures. We had a cold uh weekend. Today was getting nicer but it's rainy. It's supposed to be in the sixties tomorrow raining, but then by by Saturday, literally high of like thirty two and maybe snow. So it's on and popping in November. Damn. Oh, damn, bro. Holy shit. Yeah, man, we barely we're just getting that cold air and shit now, but uh but yeah, man, glad uh glad everything is good on your side, Chris. Uh but yeah, man, let's get to it. But um uh a lot of fights have happened over uh this period of time. Uh so, but uh, I got some fights to review. Um, if I can, uh, Bivol Ramirez, uh, man, what can I say about Bivol, man? This guy, to me, Bivol, uh, is fighter of the year. Uh, he's taken out two of the Mexicans, uh, the two of the biggest Mexicans, I think, in my opinion, uh, this far, um, you know, uh, with Canelo and, uh, Gilberto Ramirez, uh, man, I'm just, man, he really put me, like, in a, in a depression, like, in boxing-wise, like, man, really, you know, he got the wins, I mean, Canelo got the win, you know, uh, going into next year, but, um, uh, this one hurts, you know what I mean, uh, because, you know, it was just, uh, uh, you know, I thought Ramirez was going to go in there, uh, take care of business, you know, I'm supporting him, and, uh, you know, it just seemed, uh, to me that Ramirez's punches weren't coming in, like, as he wanted to, um, I felt like he couldn't really set anything up, uh, Bivol, man, if I could, man, Bivol was looking good. His punches were looking hard. I mean, when he landed, um, they made statements, in my opinion. Um, and also, too, man, it's it's kind of cool, in my honest opinion, that it was kind of neutral, uh, um, a neutral audience, because uh, there was there was moments where like uh, Ramirez had little moments and um, uh, Bivol had moments, but like, man, if this was like in California. Those little moments would have turned out to be big. Um, you know, and, uh, it just makes a big, big difference when there's not either one side, uh, ruined for, you know, uh, a huge favorite, you know, uh, audience wise, you know, for, for one side, you know, like there's, cause it felt pretty even, um, the audience wise, you know, um, I just thought that was a big uh, difference in, in, in this fight it being big, you know, cause they, they, this fight could have definitely been somewhere in California and, and done huge, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Ramirez being Mexican. Um, but shout out to Ramirez. I, I feel like he has nothing to lose too. He, this is a learning lesson, um, in my opinion. Uh, and also too, man, uh, you know, they're, they're, going into this fight, I was watching, um, the buildup. Um, I just noticed he had like a, di- like some different trainer. Uh, he had like a young trainer that I had a little problem with that. Maybe, um, going into this fight, I, I said, maybe 
you know, that could be a difference. And uh, I don't know, like, if you saw the moment, there was a there was a moment in the corner where they showed uh, um, him telling just kind of a words of encouragement, you know, not really telling him what to do, but um, I, I don't know. That's what, that's the way I felt. Maybe he had a bad trainer, um, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, uh, but, but, you know, it doesn't, uh, doesn't take away from what, what Bivol did because he looked really good. And this fight, and now him, him, now he gets um, most likely the Canelo fight. But man, uh, I really want to see him now in the better B fight, man. This is, I think that's the fight to make. Uh, that's the one I want to see out of out of everything in boxing uh, right now. Uh, you know, we uh, we obviously know who better better B is and what his reputation is. Man, uh, that guy, you know, he's 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 a monster in the in the ring. Um, I, I I believe he's got all KOs. So. Uh, you know he's a uh, hell of a champion too. Uh, so, but yeah, that makes a great, great, great fight. And uh, hopefully they make that uh, sometime next year. And I would hope, I would hope, man, Canelo stays away from Bivol, especially that Bivol. Um, that Bivol looked dangerous. If that Bivol came into the uh, Canelo fight, I think he would actually put him away. Um, in my opinion, you know, because that Bivol uh, that fought Ramirez was hungry. Uh, and the, and the, the one that I feel like the one that fought Canelo uh, was more uh, respectful. Um, in my opinion, because uh, I, I felt, you know, he was definitely the stronger fighter in there. Um, but yeah, man, and um, yeah, so Bibble uh, hopefully gets the Ramir uh, or the uh, better be a fight. But man, uh, but the better be, I mean, uh, Bibble to me is the fighter, my fighter of the year so far. Uh, just getting two huge names out of the way uh, was pretty big for him, man. And um, shout out to him, shout out to uh, Dimitri uh, Bibble. Uh, We'll see what's up with him next year, but like like I said, uh, I would tell I would tell Canelo to avoid him. Um, but also, uh, if I could, uh, real quick, uh, speaking of Canelo, if I could, man, you know he's uh, it looks like he's not going to fight for like ne- until like next year, um, somewhere in the, uh, September, I believe. Um, so, um, you know, I, I was thinking, man, you know, he uh, career-wise, you know, I, I I don't normally would want this kind of fight for him, but I think. Like I like I said before, like I think he needs to take like an easy fight, like a really, um, you know, something uh, gimme, uh, something that he's definitely going to win for 100% sure. And I think, in my opinion, he should definitely fight uh, Jake Paul sometime next year and make make it an exhibition fight uh, pay per view. Um, I think that would sell big and it would keep him busy. Um, you know, nothing uh, nothing too crazy. You know what I mean? Like I think. Uh, obviously, Jake Paul did what he, you know, he did. Like, so I, I think, you know, with his noise, because Jake Paul is definitely, definitely popular, and even, and even in the, uh, the boxing world, um, you know, you can't deny him because he definitely steals the headlines when he fights or when he's just, you know, uh, boxing uh, news-wise and stuff. Um, so I would definitely, uh, I would want this for Canelo, uh, you know, coming to 2023, and then let, let these, uh, you know, like. Like for a perfect example, like you know, you got planned in um, Benavidez, uh, planned in Benavidez fighting this uh, early next year, and uh, I think you know, um, you know, let them settle that, and uh, most likely, you know, the winner of that gets Canelo, or maybe the winner of that gets uh, Charlo. Um, so that's what I kind of w- would want in the future, but well, I don't know, uh, we'll see. Um, but also too, uh, what else? Um, uh, uh, don't yeah, don't have too much to say, but I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, um, Spence versus Crawford, it sucks that it, to me, man, you know, it sucks that this fight definitely didn't happen. Um, and it sucks that, you know, it kind of, there was so much like, um, you know, news about it. Like, it, I felt like this, like, um, this whole year was about Terrence Crawford and Spence, man. Uh, and then just to find out like, you know, what happens now, 
Uh, and it's and it's funny uh, to me, uh, you know, well, not funny, but, like, it's kind of interesting that Crawford went into another, like, another outlet and chose a BLK uh, Prime. Um, I, I definitely, I've, I've never heard of these guys. Uh, I don't know what kind of move this is. To me, I felt like he was just kind of in, in, in an angry state of mind when um, this all happened. Like, I just feel, I don't know. Uh, you know, seeing all the the news, like listening to different podcasts and um, you know news outlets, and I just felt to I just came to a conclusion that maybe it was definitely on the Crawford side of things not happening. Um, th- that's just my take. That's my opinion. Um, but uh, you know, th- there's different sides to everything. So I don't know. You know, I'm not in the business and there's the negotiations negotiations of boxing, but man, it, it seems a pretty tough sides uh, trying to put you know, pen to paper. Um, but it sucks, like, in my opinion, as a boxing fan, I am uh, disappointed that that fight did not happen this year. Um, and it, well, especially now that reports, Crawford... You know, we kept getting reports, yeah. though, this is agreed to both. This is agreed to. Okay, there was a... They're going through the contract. They're going back and forth, but things are good. And, you know, and all of a sudden, it's just like, mm-hmm. nope, it's not happening. It was, it was heartbreaking yeah. the way it happened, dude. It was like, what? Yeah. Wait, I thought it was all good. They agreed. Hey, what, what happened? It almost seemed like Crawford was just hell-bent on having a, a, a tune-up, stay-busy fight to get a fight in, which I understand that, but my biggest thing is why didn't you fucking do that in the summer? You know? Mm-hmm. He had this yeah. offer more than just lately. You know, that's the only thing that gets me. It's like, why don't you just tell him I'm taking a fight in July, and then we'll keep the negotiations going, you know? That, I don't know. We'll see, though. You never know. And, and by the way, Espinoza and the PBC and Spence have said they're open to going right back to it afterwards. So, who knows? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know what, man? If, if um, it most likely, you know, now that this has all happened, and we've seen the backlash. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Crawford's like every um, – I've been following his, like, tweets and stuff. And, uh, man, they're all negative, you know, they're all, uh, you know, top to bottom. Uh, I just feel like everybody's yeah, upset and, and telling them, telling them that he, they're upset. And he, and he seems to, you know, fight, <laughs> try to fight them back or whatever. But I don't know, man, uh, like I am, I am hopeful for this fight to happen. Um, you know what, if, if I feel like if this fight does not happen by like summertime next year, you know, I, I feel like, you know, team Spence yeah. um, needs to move on. Um, yeah. You know he has a great he has a great stable in the PBC. I know I know PBC is known for you know uh, all the fights aren't happening whatever you know whatever yada yada. But like I, I feel like they got the better he's got the better stable um, to make fights happen and to make big fights happen. Yeah. Um, so you know that I just feel like that that's, that's what should happen if, if, if by summertime. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, if it hasn't happened by summer, there's a good chance that it's not going to ever happen. Um, yeah, or and, if only and also maybe too, at 154. Good. Yeah, yeah, and also too, man. Like be, um, but also too, like you, they, these guys also got, they got to remember not too long ago in 2020, everything was shut down. Like you know, we got to be really grateful sure. to where we are right now. Like you know, a lot of things have opened up. You know, and, and we got to be more. We got to definitely, and not only that, but like. You know, things could, like, you know, um, you know, knock on wood, but things could definitely also turn upside down just 
as fast as 2020 did. So uh, people, these guys also yeah. got to remember that, you know, there's, there's things that could happen in life. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to say that because 2020 wasn't too long ago, and we all thought it was, you know, everybody thought it was doomsday. Uh, everybody had their own opinions about it, but, like, you know, they also right. got to remember we got to be grateful that, you know, maybe they should make these fights happen because I remember in 2020 they were like, oh, uh, there was rumors that even Spence and Crawford were going to be made just because they there, there's something like that pay-per-view numbers had to be big or they're, they're going to take that opportunity yeah. or something. I, I remember those days, like, but they also got to remember, like, you know, life hits you like that. And you know you got you. Then you're gonna wish you made that. You know, made you're gonna wish they made that fight. So, you know, 2020 wasn't too long ago. So they got to remember about that. But um, to me, hopefully, I am still like hopeful about this fight. Um, but you know, let, let's Maybe see. Let's see what naive. happens. We could be naive here, but I I'm actually still in the back of my head saying, you know what? I think there's a good chance that it happens back. I really do. yeah. Um, and, and also hearing. That I mean, that's the funky thing. Crawford at the end of the stuff said, but you know what? I'm going to go right back to it, and I'm going to fight Spence next. It's like, well, didn't you say that you didn't like the contracts and all that? Like, why would you just go right back to it? I don't I don't get that. And you agreed to all these terms. So, you know, it was kind of like they were bending over backwards for you, considering you're not some mm-hmm. A-side star. So that's why it makes mm-hmm. me think that he knows, you know what? I literally have a contract in my fucking hand. I could just mm-hmm. sign it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that's the same contract, obviously, because that was February 4th. But you know what I mean? I, I do think – I think there is a chance that it could happen. Um, but then I, I think you said it well. Like, if it doesn't happen by mid, mid-year mid next year, it probably won't happen. It probably won't happen. Yeah. And also, too, because, like – you know, there's a fight. Uh, you know, there's a fight with Spence that I would love, um, and that's Sebastian Fundora. Uh, I, you know, Fundora. I've heard, I heard something that he he could he's able to make 47 uh, healthy, and I uh, mean that's one hell of a fight I think in my opinion. So, um, you know, there's there's uh, there's plenty of fights to be made, but uh, but yeah, man. Uh, but as far as that, uh, don't have too much to say. You know, this I, I believe this weekend has doesn't have too much. Um, happening. Uh, also, too, man. Uh, it's funny um, that uh, Tyson Fury. You know, I, I want to say I-, I thought Tyson Fury was gonna fight like like a big name this year. You know, uh, um, uh, you know, I, I didn't think that uh, he was gonna make that one fight with uh, uh, what's his name again? Uh, the the glass me guy. You know what I mean? Sora. Glass me. Yeah, 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 he yeah. Sora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that dude. <laughs> he glossed but, but me. man. You glossed, yeah, bro. I remember that shit. I remember, I remember watching. I remember watching that, like the post fight, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That that was cool. But that was that was a cool lead yeah, up to the uh, the David Hay fight, the David Hay or the, the the David Hay fight, whatever. Like that was a cool lead up. Yeah, yeah, yeah or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But also, man, yeah, there's not too many fights happening. Uh, you know, I see. Uh, I'm seeing on ESPN. There's something. Um, on ESPN Plus, I'll, I'm I'm sure I'll yep. stay tuned to this. I, I see it. Yep. Uh, yeah, I see. Uh, Seniesa Estrada is uh, is uh, mm-hmm. yep, you know coming event. Yep, I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, yeah so, that's her yeah. first. Uh, that's her top ranked debut. So we definitely got to support sure. her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She just got. Oh yeah, she's out of the um, Golden Boy shit. Uh, that that mm-hmm. that promotion. So yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Looking forward to that one. Uh, Montana Love. I've seen. I, I've heard of this guy. 
uh, I believe, you know, Chris, I don't know if, if, I, if I remember, I remember correctly, but he's the guy that came in like all Mexican style, right? Like with uh, Corridos um, playing yeah, in the yep, background, like you're right. Mexican fighter. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm looking you're forward right. to this guy to see. Hopefully, hopefully he loses, you know what I mean? Because I was, to me, Vera, you know what I mean? I, I see, I, you know, it's all love at the end of the day, but like, you know, since I saw that, you know what I mean? Uh, I hope there's a Mexican out there that takes him out, but you know it's it's all fun. To, you know it's all cool. You know what I mean? It's all love. But uh, but yeah, man. Uh, yeah. But as far as that, yeah, I don't don't have too much to say. Um, you know what I mean? Um, you know it sucks. Like I said before, it sucks that Ramirez did not get this win. Um, but ya sabes, estoy aquí para apoyando todos los mexicanos. I'm here to support all the Mexicans, uh, no matter what. Uh, like I said before, Ramirez does uh He doesn't have the um, there's nothing, you know, he, he has something to, like, to gain from this loss uh, before I leave. Uh, yeah, he has something to gain uh, be, uh, from this loss, you know. He didn't get he didn't get knocked the hell out, so that's, at the end of the day, that's what yeah, that is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, Good so, but, but, yeah, but as far as that, yo, Chris, let me get out of here. Like I say all the time, shout out to the Rope Dope Radio. Viva Mexico, cabrones. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Oh, shoot, I just muted it. Hold on, keep going. Actually asked to, for 
Connor Ben to stay there because, you know, they, they say no, he's not under suspension, um, and they want him back in the rankings. Uh, this is Jake Donovan from the WBC convention. Ongoing conversation of two-minute versus three-minute rounds, and 12 rounds for women fights. Feels like the topic will once again get tabled as it has instead shifted towards pay equality. WBC is prepared to hold a vote to mandate at least one women's fight on every show with the WBC title. That could get tricky, but that's interesting. Um, Unfortunately, Julio Cesar Martinez and McWilliams Arroyo will not happen. This is Jake Donovan today. McWilliams Arroyo injured. Uh, So Martinez needs a new opponent. Arroyo withdrew from their December 3rd fight. It's been a fight that they've been trying to to make here, but, you know, sometimes that happens. This is uh, Rob uh, Tabut. Um, Mauricio Stolman confirms that the winner of Arturo Arturo Beterbiev um, and Anthony Yard will be ordered to face mandatory challenger Callian Smith next, which is like, okay, but what about there's, this was an interesting tweet that I saw. I haven't looked super detailed into it. I know it's an ESPN.com um, article. It says, the Enforcement Division of Nevada Gaming Control is aware of a suspic- uh, suspicious betting on a UFC fight from over the weekend, but declined to further comment. Multiple state gambling regulators are looking into the fight in betting activity per source. So, um, basically, this fight ended abruptly in the first round. It's being investigated by the U.S.-based betting integrity firm after several sports books in multiple states reported suspicious wagering on the featherweight bout. The odds um, of, I don't know how to say that dude's name, but defeating underdog Minard moved dramatically in leading up to the fight, betters were convinced that not only uh, near done beat first round, money poured in on the favorite to win by knockout in the first round, and for the fight the and for the fight to last fewer than two and a half rounds. Oh, okay, so they're betting two and a half under basically. Um, on Saturday, with rumors circulating among betters that Minner was injured. That's when it got all the, the you know it went from two minus two twenty to four twenty. Uh, that's a good number. Um, just thirty seconds of the fight, Meaner threw a left kick to the body and immediately grimaced and reached for his left leg. So this is just something that popped up. Um, I can't sit there and give you much more on it to be honest with you, um, but. That's there, okay? That's out there. Um, Eddie Hearn, this is from Jake Donovan, or not Jake Donovan, sorry, boxing scene, Sean Nam. Nam uh, today, Hearn plans to stage four events in the Middle East in 2023. He said our plan will be stage four events, uh, and he expects to see the Usyk, you know, fury there too. Uh, they want to be players in the market for big fights. With that being the case, you'll definitely see this become a, a solid destination for big-time boxing. 
asked if such reliance on the Middle East uh, deprives local fan bases of meaningful fights. Hearn said the number of fights that take place there is still relatively minuscule, so there's no need to be concerned, which that's cool. Uh, there's only so many fight nights that the Middle East are looking to do, and they are a multitude of major fights a year. Um, it's not like we're going to see the boxing disappear in the U.S. Okay, whatever. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what that's what he's saying. Um, we got some other, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ducking, uh, this stuff, okay? I'm not ducking. Uh, actually, Oscar De La Hoya, we'll talk about him, because he jumped in on the, the Crawford, he was on Crawford's side. He put out this Instagram post that said, he's sitting back, right? He looks like he's outside, kind of chilling. He says, thinking about my powerhouse attorney and who I'm going to expose first, because he said he was going to do an IG and start exposing people. By the way, the Beecher, Biev, and Bivol fight is on ProBoxingOdds.com, and they have Beecher, Biev, when it first opened a couple hours ago anyway, plus 100. So that's obviously a damn tight fight. Uh, Eddie Hearn has successes suggested that they could make Canelo Alvarez versus Demetri Bivol rematch for the undisputed at super middleweight, and then if Bivol wins, try to go back-to-back and make the better Bivol. Um, You know, we were talking about a, a potential David Burrell opponent, and DeBell is, is like, hey, I, I'll, my guy will fight him, and they know how to reach me. He's talking about Carlos Gungora. That would be a good I would take that fight in a second. But, I mean, I'm not going to take it. I'll get knocked out in a second. Oh, by the way, Antonio Moran, um, like it says here on Jake Donovan's headline, drops and stops Kendo Castano, or Castanito uh, in the 10th round. He won that Pro Box last chance tournament. And I did see highlights of that. Here is a little bit of news from Terrence Crawford about the, uh, you know, about his pay-per-view showdown coming up with Avanesian. Um, he says, where is the quote? Oh, uh, we have seen player em- empowerment movements in other sports, and now we are starting to see it in boxing. I have taken control of my career in my December 10th fight uh, will be on BLK Prime is the start of the next chapter. Five years, and we are excited to announce our first world championship bout. <coughs> a spokesman, excuse me, spokesman for BLK said to make our debut with the boxing pound for pound number one fighter, fighting at home, and uh, yeah. Also on that pro box, by the way, um, Miguel Maduino. M- M- Maduina, he, I saw this too. Uh, he knocked out in the fifth round. He knocked out, um, that was the co-feature, Juan Portas. Um, here's Jake Donovan with some more news when it comes to uh, the sanctioning body has formally ordered to vac- ordered vac- vacant 120, 112-pound title by, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Okay, title fight. That's about, I thought, uh, between Bam Rodriguez and Kristen Gonzalez. So um, as of a couple of days ago, they have 10 days to come to terms 
Otherwise, uh, it'll be a purse bid and it's expected to reach, it's supposed to be reach a deal and be in the first quarter. Um, and here's Alexander Usyk's manager, Igis Klimas. He said, you know, there's been significant pros- progress when it comes to uh, a Fury fight in 2023. Everything is done from our side, everything. So it's only, you know, basically it's up to Fury to make the fight. Um, and Plant has opened up as a slight underdog plus 142. I don't actually know where the the odds are this second, but yeah, that's something to think about. And then the Daily Star Sport, they said Chris Eubank Jr. versus Liam Smith is reportedly now in talks for a potential middleweight clash, which could take place December 17th or in early 2023. And here's Kay Jones, right? He said, um, he said this um, probably like 10 days ago, he said, there's going to be about 10 more big-name fighters signed to BLK. Remember where you heard it. We'll see. We'll see. Um, get into some of this stuff, okay? Let's get into it. So let's get rid of the Oscar stuff right away. He said, uh, my respects go to Terrence Crawford for exposing the Al Heyman Circus. I've been dealing with that shit for years. I promote all the PBC fighters. It's all the same bullshit with them. They're not in charge. Um, I'm going I'm going to go live soon to elaborate and expose the truth. And I haven't heard that he actually did. But, you know, when they say they're not in charge, it is kind of funny because Ryan Garcia, if your fighters are in charge, he said that he – I talked about this last week. He said he wants, he wants to take the deal just – like, you know, it was offered, meaning Showtime has the lead promotion. That in mind, Oscar. He says, uh, you guys don't fucking get it. Al Heyman is the cancer here. Um, and then he went on to say, like, you know, Wilder and Thurman, you know, they were relevant, and now they haven't become relevant. You know, they were on the way to becoming boxer star, boxing stars under us, and now they're not. It's like, well... I mean, really? Because, you know, Wilder's a pretty damn big name, um, especially when he has a B-side to go with. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I, you know, Oscar jumped in there, which which is kind of contradict, not kind of, it was contradicting, and here's why. Because he had just got done saying not long ago, a few days ago, saying um, that Gervonta, he, he confirmed that Gervonta and Ryan Garcia have agreed to terms but the broadcaster needs to be resolved. The promoters have done their jobs. The fighters have. We've come to terms on everything. Now it's up to the network. Showtime, the zone for the fans, make it happen. So he's, he's talking like, hey, let's make it happen. He's saying a bunch of positive stuff, right? But then in the same breath, look at what he's saying. That it's a cancer and it's shitty. Well, didn't you just say that it's up to the networks? It, it just... He's really contradicting when it comes to that. By the way, here's some more news. Oscar Valdez and Emmanuel Navarrete will fight, or there's a fight in play for February 3rd, which I believe is a Friday night. That's what Bob Arum says, according to Boxing Scene, which, dude, sign me up for that fight. Oh, my God, I would love that. Um, Ray Vargas and Oshaki Forrester, or Foster, excuse me, 
uh, reach terms for the sounds like that's going to be in the first quarter. Um, yeah, so that's a that's a good fight. You know, a lot of people have been high on Foster, um, and they, uh, you know, they they're happy to see him get in a fight. So am I. I think that's pretty dope. Uh, Jake Paul says he thinks the did around two hundred to three hundred thousand buys. He said his his uh, fight did around that that uh, you know that way. And you know when we talk about the networks being involved, I'll reiterate. Did I say this last week or the week before? I'll reiterate that um, Espinoza has literally come out and said that no one is saying that DAZN can't be involved. You know, because Eddie Hearn said this. He he came out and had this big rant about it. And Espinoza responded saying, that's comical. Work with us on Tank and Garcia. Well, when the Matchroom's not even involved in this fight, so they should probably just shut the fuck up. He didn't say that. I said that. But he said, no, DAZN can't be involved. DAZN can't be involved. That's what Eddie Hearn kept saying. And they, they don't want to be involved because of Eddie, even though Eddie's not even in these terms. So it is kind of weird, but he said nobody is saying that they can't be involved. And he's multiple times he said this, like on you know, on wax right in in video or you know interview videos. He said it, and he also just said it multiple times on Twitter. He said, "Hey, we're willing, just like the Mungia Charlo PBC offered Golden Boy the TV rights in Mexico and in the UK, where the zone is popular. You know, they're they're." They're offering the streaming rights, and and it literally, um, Deuce said, because someone was talking about that, right? And Deuce said, it, it, if Dazona was willing to take a deal, the fight would already be announced. If they're willing to to get the, you know, to get that, the streaming rights for the world, or at least their biggest markets, right? Then the fight would be done. And Espinoza said that's 100% accurate. If they they're a stream they they talk about the streaming services right and that the, the world's biggest streaming service well they're giving you the streaming rights and and we all know in the UK they're probably going to do it on pay per view anyway so you get some you know they're also willing to give you guys money your chunk of they'll be made if they could just lead it's it, it's like they are willing to work with you so that that whole thing of oh they're not with dude this is two fights in a row now. Where they were willing to work, and once once again, it's a one-sided offer. There's no offer. Why didn't Eddie say that? Remember when Eddie say, "Oh, it should be all purse bids, and whoever whoever puts up the most money should get it." Which I'm down for. That that's cool. I think it's good for the fighters, and it, you know, it solves problems. But it's not realistic, right? Because you know, these broadcasters have to come up with a certain amount of cards to f- fulfill their contract. But it would be dope if it worked that way. But it's funny because. This is the second time Charlo Munguia and now Garcia and uh, Gervonta. Gizona hasn't offered any money to put up at all. So it's a one-sided offer, you know? Like I said, they weren't saying split broadcast when they were doing one-sided offers to come to PBC, you know, to come to the the Zone platform. So how that works. Um, Real quick, I don't want to, I don't want to spend it. Okay, there's eight, eight. Nine minutes left of the show. Okay, so Crawford did that IG thing. And, you know, he was saying we're going back and forth with the numbers. We're negotiating. We're 
we're, we're negotiating the numbers and whether that was like the purse split or the split on revenue overall because from the sounds of it now he was not happy with the money that they were offering as far as up front and you know if you're not canelo or floyd or oscar back in the day or mayweather you're not going to get 25 or 50 million up front you're just not gonna you're just not gonna so yeah it is a risk on pay-per-view because you, you don't get as much money up front but then you get the back end money and just just the site feed alone the amount of money that's going to be made at this gate like going to do well on pay-per-view i don't know how well but my thing is he kept saying well i was going back and forth i was going back and forth with him we were going over numbers and then all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere this with this 25 million dollars that someone someone who he still has yet to say right and from the insider report from al dawson we've now gotten reports of he wouldn't exact like he wouldn't exactly say who it was, right? So it's kind of like, and actually there's been multiple people that have asked him on Twitter, and here's a guy that's done it multiple times. I've seen him. He said, no one answered my question from yesterday, so I'll ask it again. Does anyone know the name of the hedge funds that were willing to put up $50 million for the fighters? Or are we supposed to just, you know, Bud's word for it? And I think that's a good question. And, and, and when he's been asked that, he didn't tell you that, but what if, if you're going to do an IG rant, right, to clear up the situation, why didn't you lead with $25 million right away? Why wasn't that the first thing out of your mouth, one? And why wasn't that in the Coppinger article? I mean, he either didn't tell Coppinger or he told him and Coppinger left it out for a reason because – he may he may have okay I'm not saying for sure but he may have followed up saying who is the hedge fund who is this investor you're talking about he hasn't told anybody he hasn't said anything and not only that but why would Crawford why would they if this person's got 50 million and I'm not doubting it but if they got 50 million why wouldn't they just go directly to Al you know and 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 you know he said. I talked to, you know, I, I called Spence about it, and Spence said I'd be, you know, there's some questions I got about it. Who is it coming from? Is it real? You know, and, and on the Heyman side and the PBC side and Showtime, they have invested a lot of money in Spence in this fight, so so they're supposed to just sell the fight away? I mean, does that happen once in a while? Sure, like in the Middle East, you know, but... It's just weird to all of a sudden come out of nowhere when you're doing this and say, hey, by the way, I have a, I'm have not going to tell you who it is, and he still hasn't told us who it is. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he said, I, I, I was going to get 25 mil, and so was Spence. And it's like, well, hold on. Okay, so who, who, you know, why wouldn't you lead with that? And like I said, it's really shaky that you didn't lead with that, one, and two. Why wasn't that in the Coppinger report on this stuff like i said you either didn't tell him or you told him and he didn't he he didn't feel comfortable putting it in there into the uh the report that's kind of telling that you still haven't come out and said who the this potential hedge fund investor is and we know that there is to blk prime we talked about this a few weeks ago that they do that they are some sort of a startup right so there there is a possible parent company that they're getting this but 
if you have $50 million, why didn't you send a fucking offer and send a contract and be like, okay, all those things that you just said here, I got this money, you know? So it's kind of shaky. And he kept saying that, you know, he's not his own boss. Now he admitted that, you know, I never asked for this much transparency. I never asked a lot of questions when I was under Bob Arum because I'm not my own boss because they were giving him, the money he made, because, you know, the pay-per-views weren't making money, so he tried to get as much upfront money as he could, guaranteed, which I get it. That makes a lot of sense. I'm not ripping him for it, but you're not the A-side. Like you said, you agreed to all these terms. With all the reports we've had, now all of a sudden that, that report that was out there that he asked for $22 million, it makes a lot more sense. Because remember, the report we talked about from Heron, he said that, he started at $22 million and wouldn't budge to 15 as far as upfront money. And that's why they had to do the no guarantees for both of them. And they were just going to do the whole event, and the fighters were going to make money off the event. It was a really weird way to do it, in a sense. But it's like, I just don't, it, it, it's shaky at best when you say stuff like this, because it's like, well, hold on, dude. Like, so you were asked, you know, he hasn't come out and denied that. And, and, and the report went on to say that they went up as much as $8.5 million for upfront money purse. But they wouldn't budge past 8.5, which I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. But it, I, I, I couldn't believe the report that Crawford was asking for $22 million until he brought up the $25 million. So I actually do believe, and now I understand where he got this number. But if you're just, like like I said, why get into negotiations so deep, like you're going to sign the contract? And it has been reported that there was like three major things, and they, they agreed to all this stuff. And then they, they contract back to him, and he didn't sign it. So why wouldn't you, like I said, leave with $25 million? Or why wouldn't you fucking – he basically got everything he wanted for. That's what they're saying. So it's like – and he's not denying it. Now he's saying, I thought it was bullshit, and I know I'm getting screwed, but I'm taking – you know, I agreed to their terms. Well, why didn't you sign the contract? You know what I mean? So it, it's a go-back-and-forth way. I am naive. I think me and you know, possibly Josue and I might be – you know naive on this, but I, I actually think it will um I actually think it will get made for some odd reason. I actually think it may it actually still has a uh, you know a thing and, and on the Spence side he did have plenty of uh you know back and forth saying we gave him everything we want. Um he claims that the you know this is a, his tweet he claims that his concerns of having transparency in uh, revenues, expenses for that fight was a big issue that killed the negotiations, uh, but it, they agreed to everything. In fact, the draft included specific provision that required that both of us would receive a complete and full written detailed accounting show of all the pay-per-view sales of the event and then a stat status of all net revenues received and all the event expenses incurred and paid. And he didn't say, no, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? So it's like, wow, dude, they're really went over the top. And he said, 
he's talking about he didn't have a guarantee. He was talking about all the risk was on him. He said, I don't have a guarantee. I had a higher percentage, but I didn't have a guarantee either the way we were doing the deal. So, and he said, all the money, he said, all money's not good money. I asked him where the 50 mil coming from, who is the, the hedge fund putting up the money. He couldn't tell me. Um, I think we, he said, I think we just all need to, to meet in person, you know? And, and, and here's another thing. When he keeps saying, I'm my own boss and all that, well, that's cool. But you know what? If you're your own boss, you literally, okay, you literally, literally get, you, you get professionals around you. Why in the fuck would he be sitting at the table? That's what the business does. So the fact that he doesn't have someone that is super experienced in the boxing industry, right? It's really telling because it's like, dude, what, where is he during the negotiations? What do you mean? That's what you're, you're supposed to get a smart business person to represent you. They take care of the business. You got to trust them. And it sounds like he didn't trust who he was in charge. One more thing. Peep this. He asked for approval over expenses. His company, TBC, to have a chance to review and sign agreements said yes for the event. Reviewing and approving agreements before they were executed, the choice of which uh, which way to proceed is up to TBC. So they lit, they were bending over backwards for this guy. Okay. Crawford wanted to know the revenues from the fight would be placed in a mutual agreement account and only be released upon all parties' agreement. These are texts. So, or I mean tweets. They're, they were going back and forth. But the whole thing that He's not a boss. He's got to go through Al. Of course he's got to go through Al, dude. Why in the fuck would you not go through your representation? I mean, I really think that it just came down to he wanted to fight. He wanted to fight. And, you know, he said, basically, I'll, I'm going to spin the block. He's, and this is what Terrence said. Spence, when you spin the block, let's do something that's never been done before and make negotiations public since you're your own boss. It's, just, it's like, come on. But he also said, I'm going to be right here waiting for you when you spin the block. So anyway, I don't want to spend more time on this, so I'm not going to enjoy the fights this weekend. Hopefully we get ourselves a banger of a fight. Um, until next time, peace.